What's good? And welcome to episode 24 of the Helmet Hoops and Homies podcast. I'm Matthew Garcia here with my co-host and homie, the Hoops Guru, Patrick Moore. What's good, P. Moore? What's up, homie? How you doing? Long time good, no homie. see. It's been a while. How was, uh, how was the scouting trip? It was good. It was good. Uh, you know, turns out a lot of scouting happens on the uh, the Mediterranean beaches. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you never would have thought, but... Yeah, talent yeah. hey there's a lot of <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of actors that got discovered that way so uh yeah. you know what you're, you know <laughs> yeah. what you're doing so yeah. uh we uh it's good to be back it's been a little over two weeks since we recorded and uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about so we're going to introduce a special guest uh listeners of the show already be familiar with this guest and hopefully they love him as much as we do so we have one half of the yumper and swole at the show podcast my brother tom deuce garcia aka low yumper What's good, Deuce? Appreciate you being on the show. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Pleasure as always, Deuce. Good to have you here. Yeah, so um, we got a nice a nice hoops-themed episode again. Uh, after the finals, we'll get back to... Say after the finals and the draft, probably we'll get to some more pigskin, but for right now, it's pretty hoops-oriented. And um, before we get into our show, let's go ahead and talk about what we're drinking. So I have just a really... My usual... Uh, seven up zero. A few more. What do you got? I got a uh, a, a juicy East. It's a New England style IPA from uh, Crooked Stave, which is a brewery here in Colorado. So I got some repping my my old uh, my old home state uh, Connecticut in in the New England uh, style IPA. What are you nice. drinking, Deuce? Uh, I decided to uh, spice it up a little bit, and uh, I'm drinking a, some lime Perrier. <laughs> Ooh. Nice. Nice. Uh, mine's always something basic. I don't think Pat has drank the same beer twice on all these shows that we've done. Nah, I, don't I always so. do like the same like five things, which is great. So <laughs> nice variety. So let's go ahead and crack those open, get it popping. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So let's get the show started. So this is episode 24. So we're going to go ahead and get to some famous 24s. Uh, there's a lot. It's a pretty. It's a pretty uh, popular number to wear. So we'll just get into it quickly. Uh, there's a lot of names. So in the NFL, we'll start off with we got Willie Brown, Champ Bailey, Willie Wood, Charles Woodson, Ty Law, Darrell Revis, Marshawn Lynch, Ike Taylor. And then if we get into some um, players who currently wear 24, we have uh, Jonathan Abram, James Bradbury, Carlton Davis, Antonio Gibson. And Marcus Peters. So some good names there. And going over to the NBA, there's a lot of, there was, I think, over, almost 300 players who wore 24. So I did my best to pick out some interesting names. So we have uh, Mark Aguirre, Rick Barry as the greatest uh, free throw shooting form ever. Uh, Ron Boone, Bill Bradley. This one's for Deuce, Bill Cartwright. Tom Chambers, Tom Gugliota, Spencer Haywood. Bobby Jackson, Richard Jefferson, Dennis Johnson, Bobby Jones, Sam Jones, Moses Malone, uh, one of the players with one of my favorite nicknames ever, Jamal Monster Mash Mashburn, Desmond Mason. This one's for you, uh, Peter. Antonio McDice. Get some nuggets love there. Uh, Andre Miller, Mo Pete, Morris Peterson, Pooh Richardson, Reggie Theus, another one for Deuce, Javante Green. Cam Thomas, and these are some of the uh, the guys who currently wear it. So Javante Green, Cam Thomas, another one of Deuce's favorites, Lowry Markinen, Buddy Heald, 
uh, one of P. Moore's favorites, The Luck of the Irish, Pat Connaughton. Yeah. And uh, my guy, Dill Thrill, Kill Shot Dill, Dylan Brooks. So a lot of names and a special bonus since we have Deuce on the show and he is the baseball guy. Uh, we're going to name, I think the most famous 24 to me is also my favorite baseball player of all time, Tide, Ken Griffey Jr. So, yeah, so what's so some uh, famous 24s? Any thoughts on that, guys? A lot of uh, Hall of Fame uh, defensive backs on, on the pigskin side. And, yeah, definitely some good names on hoops, like Moses Malone. That's He's, like, probably a fringe top ten player. Uh, Rick Barry with the, uh, like you said, the the underhand th- free throw shot. Um he was a guy who like he had he has he has a all fans out there should go look up at his Wikipedia. He had a real weird career. He like was in the ABA and like sat out for a couple years. Weird guy. Everyone hated him too. But yeah, anyways. But yeah, some good good names in there. What what stands his, out uh, to you? Yeah. His oh, team uh, his team just won the uh, Rising Stars uh challenge at the NBA mm-hmm. uh, All-Star game. So, he's back in the mm-hmm. news again. So, Deuce, what are your thoughts? I think you're muted, Deuce. Sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, so a <laughs> lot of uh, names come to mind. Like uh, Champ Bailey comes from, this, uh, you know, my mind uh, as a 24. From the baseball side, of course, Ken Griffey Jr., but Willie Mays. Uh, also uh, Barry Bonds, even though I can't stand him. Uh, and then you got, you know, even from like a hockey standpoint, with a Chicago connection, Chris Chelios won 24 when he left the Hawks and previously. So, I mean, it's a pretty popular number throughout all sports. Mm. Yeah, it's a great. It's one of the better uh, numbers. So we've had back-to-back fantastic numbers. So and next will be twenty-five, which is some great names there as well. So those are our famous twenty-fives for our jerseys that we like to talk about. And now we're going to get into a new segment. This is going to be a segment. This is uh, going to be. We're going to call this Hoops Hot Stove with Deuce. This is a segment for Deuce. This is his. Uh, he's the hot stove master here. So he is. Now talk to us about basically the hot stove is it old take. Deuce can talk into the, a little bit of the history of it, but I always remember it when uh, back in the day when the internet was in its infancy, uh, Deuce would always tell me he checked like the hot stove sites for baseball signings and free agency and things like that. So it's basically like rumors, trades, um, hirings, firings, just all the all the news surrounding a particular sport. So we thought, why not talk about? There's a lot of stuff going on with hoops right now that Deuce has been telling me, so why not give him his own segment? So, Deuce, what are you, uh, what's cooking on the Hoops Hots? Uh, well, just a couple of transactions that have come out recently. Uh, the Hornets, of course, hiring Kenny Atkinson as their head coach, uh, which uh, he was interviewed a little bit while ago, and they pulled the trigger on him. So, to me, it's a pretty decent hiring. Uh, I'll let you guys go into that a little more before I, um, well, let me go into that a couple more stories before we get into that one. But uh, just on the injury front, uh, Bagdanovich uh, of the Hawks underwent knee surgery. Brennan Ingram had successful so, uh, finger surgery there. And then on the contract front, uh, Zion Williamson, Swole's favorite player, uh, the, uh, they're hoping to sign him to a max extension. Uh, so, And their GM came out and said he's confident of that. So we'll see what happens there. In terms of more hometown stuff, a lot of stuff going on with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, a name that's been floating around a lot is the Rudy Gobert, Utah Jazz, tr- trade possibilities. Now, it was brought up as a 
possibility, but there is a lot of smoke to this fire. I'm not a big fan of it, but the rumor is that Rudy Gobert is probably going to become available via trade, and the Bulls might be looking at him with a possible trade package of uh, Patrick Williams and uh, Vucevic. Now, I've seen several well-respected sites and you know uh, YouTube creators that have come out, CHGO Bulls, which is a big one, saying they're all for it to go and win a championship now. And they, he brings that aspect of defense, something the Bulls need. I'm not a big supporter of it. And I've seen the other side of people saying that Rudy Gobert does bring good defense, but that contract is going to eat you alive in the next two, three years because I believe he's owed guaranteed $48 million. But some news came out today with the Bulls actually looking at a favorite of P. Moore, Mitchell Robinson. Uh, he's a restricted free agent, but they are actually looking at him. I see his, uh, if you're not watching, well, you're not going to be able to watch the video, but P. Moore just showed me his Knicks uh, shirt. Um, but Mitchell Robinson is actually a free agent, so the Bulls are going are interested in doing some background research on him. The coming the news from the front office on the outside is saying that they believe he'll be a good fit with Nikolai Vucevic as a backup, which I'm all for. I really, really want the Bulls to try to see if they can maybe look at Bobby Porras for maybe a one year deal to see if he's willing to come back and see. I know it's like it's going to be on a mid level exception, but to see if he'll maybe come for a year see how it works and then maybe pay him next year after this Zach Levine stuff gets worked out. Um, but the whole Patrick Williams trade, I know we don't trade the with the Bulls. They never pulled the trigger with the Luol Deng for Kobe Bryant rumors or, um, you know, trading away Kobe, Kobe White when he was available and healthier and playing better. Just that for some reason we hold on to our players. We don't trade them away. Like we hold on some, it's a thing with Chicago. We hold on to prospects for too long. Um, but Patrick Williams is something special. Like I think he's going to be something that we can build around, especially with his contract. We can't sign him all these max players coming through, uh, especially with uh, DeMar, De, um, DeMar DeRozan's contract up in two years, and then you have Zach Levine looking for the max. And speaking of Zach Levine, the Zach Levine wanting to leave talks have kind of cooled down from here. A lot of people are saying he's probably going to come back. Uh, the more concern right now is Lonzo Ball, as his knee has not reacted very well post-surgery. A lot of fears going on with that. And I mean, people are actually thinking like his career doesn't look so good right now. They're hoping that he responds well in the next three months, but it's a lot of fear going on right there. I know I give you guys a lot. What do you guys want to talk about first? Let's let's start with the Bulls rumors since that's the fresh on the mind. Um, yeah, I, I had heard the Rudy Gobert rumors. You know, I just feel like the Bulls now are going to get tossed in any rumor for any center that's, like, remotely good at defense or at least better than Nick Vucevic, which is, like, 95% of them, you know? Um, the Rudy Gobert one, like, I have no doubt he would make them a better defensive team and probably help them win more games, but he's not like the missing piece between the bulls and the finals. Like that's, he's not like going to suddenly make them the title favorites in my opinion. I don't know. Other people might feel otherwise. Rudy Gobert, you know, they, they lost in first round of the playoffs to a really good team, but Rudy Gobert it's Rudy Gobert's not like some playoff solution by any means. Um, I do like the, the Mitch Robinson one is, is a better fit to me. Um, he is probably going to come pretty cheap. 
Um, he's one where you wouldn't want to get rid of Vucevic because Mitchell Robinson can't really stay healthy. I mean, just to be honest, that's probably part of the reason he may end up leaving the Knicks. I like him as a player. I think he's a really good defensive center. He fouls too much, though. Um, that's that's one thing. And, you know, doesn't really offer you much on offense, you know, much like Rudy Gobert. But, you know, just a big body, lob threat, you know, real long arms. Um, but, but he's always hurt. He, he always has lower body injuries and he's, he's, he's out all the time, which I think for the Knicks who, you know, probably mistakenly gave, uh, Nerlens Noel a big contract. They just can't afford to pay to like non-stretch non-star bigs, right? Like those are both good, solid defensive guys, but you can't really, you know, if you're going to give big money to a center, you want them to be, you know, more of a difference maker, I think. So, um, those are the two. I think, you know, the pie in the sky one for the Bulls, both for myself and for, I know for Matt, probably for you too, Deuce, is going to be DeAndre Ayton. That's that's the one that, you know, that's the one you want, I think, over anyone else. But I don't know. What do, what do you what do you think, uh, Matt? Do you have, you know, thoughts about what center they should go for and, and what their priorities should be? Yeah, so I agree with you guys. Uh as far as uh, the Gobert talks, I think, I think it's I would think it would be a bad move personally for a lot of reasons, like you guys stated. But basically, to sum it up for me, um, the contract is enormous. I think it's going to be. You just this is way, the simplest way I could put it. And I told you this so many times. I told this to Deuce is that it is you're trading away a player, which you'd have to trade Vucevic to make the money work. You're trading away a player who is bad on one side of the floor for another player who's bad on the other side of the floor. So you're basically trading a guy who's offense only, really bad on defense, for a guy who's defense only and really bad on offense. Now, am I saying they're comparable players? No, Rudy Gobert is a better player. Rudy, Rudy Gobert is better, as much better on defense than Vucevic is on offense. But it doesn't negate the fact that he still has – he doesn't give you what you need. He's been exposed in the playoffs. And I don't think Rudy Gobert is a bad player. I just think – he makes a lot of money. I'm happy he makes that money. Good for him. But I, I wouldn't pay it. You know what I mean? I'm glad somebody gave it to him. Utah did, but I wouldn't have given it to him. Because like you said, we've seen him the last few years in the playoffs. That defense is nothing consistent. All you gotta do is get outside of the paint and it's negated. So it makes no sense to me. And having to give up the assets that you'd have to give up to acquire him, you'd be better off going for the you know pie in the sky DeAndre Ayton. It's what you know, I would say for me. That's like you know the the hitting the home run pick. If you, if you can't get him, then I really like guys like Mitchell Robinson. I'm a really big Mitchell Robinson guy. You guys know that. Um, guys like him, like you talked about, uh, P. More Rashawn Holmes would be a nice a nice pickup for mm -hmm. them. Guys like maybe like Marvin Bagley to come off the bench would be a solid pickup for them. Bobby Portis has one more year in his deal, but if they were able to swing something for that, maybe. A player like that, a Bobby Portis type of player, a Brooke Lopez type of player, uh, guys like that I think are good fits. A Robert Williams, Time Lord, is, would be a perfect fit on a team like the Bulls. Great defender, but he also has he also has a little bit of skills. If you think about in the paint, he can hit a little you know, five to eight footer if you need him to. Great offensive rebounder, and also he's a lob threat. And that's what I love about Mitchell Robinson. I see him as Time Lord as – as kind of similar players, I think. I think Time Lord has been able to stay healthy more, um, so I think he's the better player at this point, but Robinson has that sort of potential to me. So those are the type of names that I see. Gobert I don't see as a good fit. I see him more as a fit on teams like Brooklyn, 
teams that would say, okay, we don't care that you're never going to give us anything on offense because we don't need you because we have two guys that can get me 30 a night, no problem. And you have mutton chops, Seth Curry, who can get you 30 if he gets hot from three. So he don't need scoring at all. So teams like that that don't need scoring, period, would be better. I would even say, even though I wouldn't be happy with it, I think Gobert on Charlotte makes a lot more sense than Gobert in Chicago. Yeah. Just because Charlotte, you have so you you just uh, you have so many offensive weapons, it doesn't even matter that Gobert is not good because you have what would you say three or four All Star caliber players, if not more. What, yeah, good they all, on, all on decent contracts. Too. Yeah, all on decent yeah. contracts, with the exception of Hayward, yeah. who can't stay healthy. But aside from that, he'd probably have to be in the deal, I would assume, going back to Utah. But anyway, all that to say, um, those are the type of guys I would be looking at for that. But it's good to see the Bulls actually like exploring these types of deals and to see Carney Silva's like, interested in this. But I would be very, very disappointed. And I'm not going to lie. I would put them as my slime ball of the week if they traded for Gobert because I think it's, it's going to handicap the franchise for as long as that contract is. I just don't like it. I think it makes them better, but does it make them, like you said, that does it make them an NBA Finals contender? I don't think so. I don't think it moves the needle that much. It might be – it might win, what would you say, five – 10, if you're lucky, more games. You might be a two seed, one if you're really lucky. But that doesn't mean anything in the playoffs. We don't even have a one seed in the finals right now. So those are just my thoughts. But what do you guys think? I think – I'm sorry. Um, Just to go off the Bobby Porras, Bobby Porras actually has a player option this year. So he is probably going to opt out. He's only earning about $4.5 million. Uh, The reason I say the Bulls should actually be looking into that is because if they pull that that mid-level exception, that's a $10 million deal. They can probably swing for him just doing a one-year deal just to try things out. He's a great person off the bench. And also, Pimora, with your in regards to Colbert, maybe I, I wasn't like conveying what people are thinking. It's not more they think that Rudy Gobert is that final piece. It's more that the Bulls are actually trying to do something to go for it right now. And uh, like I said, the holding on to prospects or you know players that we love because we can't get rid of them. It's something that's been stagnant with the Bulls since, you know, Gar Foreman and Pat and John Paxson were here. Of course, we have a new regime here with um, AK, but that's something that people are really, you know, pushing for. Like, it's just, we can't just hold out, you know, the windows for the NBA are kind of smaller a little bit than any other sport because it's a star-driven game, and you only have DeMar for two more years. Um, but speaking of DeMar, he's doing workouts with Patrick Williams in L.A. right now. Uh, Patrick Williams, to me, is, you know, he has glimpses of being very very good i really like mitchell robinson coming uh if they're gonna go that route the only thing that concerns me is Mitchell robinson did start a lot of games for knicks and he's gonna have to reserve himself to a bench role because he's not going to start over uh vooch and in terms of vooch versus gobert gobert is a better defender but the bulls also have to figure out what they're gonna do in terms of running their offense a lot of the run offenses ran through brooch at the top and he stretches the floor for them he doesn't really go to the post which as much as he should, which is something that I think they need. But Rudy Gobert is a lane clogger. So you're going to have a lane clogger there, and you're going to have to figure out how to run the defense, how to run the offense through them to get the ball to Zach or Tamar. Uh, and then with Lonzo helping up in the air, you don't know there. So the Bulls do have some concerns. I just don't, you know, pine this guy is, of course, DeAndre Ayton. But the Bulls really don't really have anything to, you know, that's going to entice the Suns. Vucevic, yeah. Kobe White. And the 18th pick isn't going to get done. Is AK willing to roll the dice and give him future number ones? I don't know. But, I mean, you don't want to hamstring your franchise that much either. Uh, it, it's just, it, he's a 
and then you have to look into the, the concern about Aiton's attitude. Is he going to be an issue with the team? Like he's having issues with Suns. Is he going to have the same issues in Chicago? Um, my main thing is I just I love the fact that Bulls are actually having the news for actually having a competent front office to actually look at all avenues. Uh, but I am uh, totally against anybody who says that they should be trading for Anthony Davis because I think that's going to be a disaster. Um, that's just my two cents on it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately the most realistic option is exactly what we're saying. Like, go sign a guy who's like solid, unspectacular for, you know, 10 million a year or something like that and 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 roll it out there and, and keep yourself flexible. Because in this scenario, if they're going for it, they're going to give Levine the max. And I mean, you know, he he's spent a lot of time talking about like how he needs his respect, i.e. I need to get paid more. And so uh, he just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's going to turn down that much money to go somewhere else based on his comments. And so, you know, if you're, if you're spending big money on him, then you're spending, you know, pretty big money on DeMar. I mean, value for what he gave you last year, for sure, but it's still, you know, 25 plus mil. And um, yeah. And then Vucevic gets what um, he gets 20 million a year. He's making over 20, you know, so those are all, you know, good players. I think it's worth giving Levine the contract. And if, you know, if he doesn't want it, you can trade off of it unless he like really, you know, has, has, you know, health problems or something. But I just kind of think they should go with, you know, try to improve on the edges, go into next season. Hopefully more you, you wait on Lonzo and he can come back healthy. Cause I, I mean, when Alonzo and, and Caruso were out there, the Bulls were freaking good. I mean, like it that when they went out and those two guys started to get hurt is when the Bulls kind of started to 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 tank a bit. And that's because they're their their two best defenders. But again, you got Patrick Williams coming back with you know a fully healthy offseason, um, hopefully. And you know, I just think you kind of gotta don't bite too fast. I mean, if Aiden becomes available, you you make that trade, I think, but you know, don't don't get desperate and sign. You know, Gobert or, or um, you know some other you know super high paid center. Um, just to just because yeah, I just don't I just don't see that unless it's like you know um, unless it's an Embiid, Jokic, Cat kind of guy. I just don't see the center position as being able to put them over the top of anything. So I don't know. That's just my two cents. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Aiton is probably the most ideal fit for what the Bulls need because he gives you he gives you on defense and offense, which is what they would need. So you're not you're not really losing on either end of the floor, and that's that's the type that's probably the only player who's going to be available who's a center, who I'd say you you give them whatever you need to give them. So if you have to give Patrick Williams a one and Vucevic to make the money work, possibly another one and whatever else. I mean, you don't want to mortgage your future. You don't want to give like. Uh, the Clippers did to the Thunder eight number one picks. I think you don't want to do that. But if we're talking mm-hmm. about a couple number ones, Vucevic and Patrick Williams, who did go number four in the draft. I mean, so essentially three number ones. I think you do it because he's younger and it's not, it's, it's a max contract, but it's a rookie max. It's not a super max yet. Mm-hmm. So you still have a little bit, a little bit to play with there. And like I said, I, I think he's barely, I don't even know if he's 25 years old yet. So it's not like you're getting where it's Gobert. He's already making the super max and he's older. Not, you know, not significantly older, but he's older. You know what I mean? And he's deficient on one end of the ball. 
on one side of the ball. So, I mean, that's that's what I would say. But, yeah, I agree. I think uh, you definitely need to get, like, those 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 good, uh, you know, locker room type of guys, like a Bobby Portis would be good. Or just either if you can't get Aiton, then I think you just settle for a Robinson, which I think is a great consolation prize. And you get, you build up the bench and you get some more some more length and I think and some more some more depth on the bench. That was one of the Bulls' biggest problems was that they had no size. And when they played teams like Milwaukee, they got you know they got uh, obliterated because Milwaukee has so much size. And we're seeing that that's the thing. If you don't have, you either have at least in the current NBA, what we're seeing is you either have you know tremendous outside shooting or you have a lot of size, and that can help you win a championship. So we've seen that in the last few years. So that's what I would say, but uh, I'm glad they're they're definitely being more aggressive. I just hope, like you said, Pat, that they don't you know, get desperate and make a move that's going to – might help them for a year or two, but it's going to hurt them in five years. For sure. Um on kind of the other things you talked about, like Zion and the Pelicans. So now Zion has said he would sign a max contract in a heartbeat, I think were his exact words. Griffin has said he's worth the max. So if something doesn't get done <laughs> this summer, if there's not a max contract offered, even if it has like a bunch of injury guarantees or like, you know, some of it's based on him making an all-NBA team or something. Um, if, if there's not a max contract done, we'll know – one of them's lying. Um, one of the one of those two is lying because they've now both said, yes, I want to do it. And it's like, okay, then if it doesn't get done, one of you is a liar. So um, I would keep an eye out for that. Um, and, you know, I would say if I'm New Orleans, like I'm, I'm not as thrilled about it as I would have been three years ago, but because of Zion's health, but it's ultimately like I'm New Orleans I have the guy who has the ceiling to be probably the best player in the league. Like no one's no one like that is coming to us and we're too good right now to be getting super high draft picks, right? That would that might give them those types of players. So I think you got to you got to take the risk and just do it. Um and if it doesn't work out, you know, I, I don't know. I, it's just like one of those things where anyone who's seen Zion play has no doubts about his ability at all. And and it's it's the health stuff is scary. We've seen that ruin careers. But I think like if you're certain teams, you don't make that risk. If you're the New Orleans Pelicans, you got it. You have to make that risk because it's like you've never been good. You're a franchise that doesn't get a lot of fans because it's such a big football city, LSU and Saints. You just you you gotta you gotta do something like that. And you know it didn't work out with Anthony Davis, but you know, I, I, we, they gotta, they gotta hope it works with, with Zion. With, with Zion, I think like the major issue is not just his health, but also his attitude. Uh, he yeah. really like, he really, really reminds me like just how this is playing out of, uh, you know, a Chicago kid from Thornton high school, Eddie Curry coming out as number four, mm. big time hype. When he played, when Eddie played on it, when he, Eddie showed up, Eddie played well. Like he had those two good, great years in Chicago. He was averaging like twenty points or a little bit below twenty points. You know, paired up with Tyson Chandler, that got the Bulls into the playoffs those a couple years. Then uh, he started to put on weight. He got traded to the Knicks, and then he's lost the weight, started to play well again, and then unfortunately, health issues came in with his heart. You know, that were like they were kind of in the Bulls days, but they were. 
you know, pro- more prevalent with the Knicks. So he had to actually like end his career. And that's the kind of thing with Zion. Like when Zion turns it on, he shows you why he's that exceptional talent. But also you can't be showing up to, you know, you know, training camp like 30 pounds overweight. Like to, you're a professional athlete. Like you make X amount of money. You have to start taking care of yourself. You know, I know from the baseball aspect, teams are now for their star players aside from overseas, anywhere, have them have on nutritional plans where they have their own, they have to eat this meal because that's an asset. Mm-hmm. And maybe Pelicans need to do that. Uh, and that, that's something that should be included in his contract. He has to do these certain things to get paid. Would he agree to him? I don't know. It depends. But, you know, it's an asset you have to go into. And I think that and his attitude need to be, like, fixed. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I think also the Pelicans have some leverage now because it's like, hey, we're a good team already. Like, we made it to the playoffs. We took the number one seed six games in the first round. Like, we're, we're legit, Zion. So, like, are you with us or are you not with us? Like, they can kind of go, you know, they can kind of say there. And they can say, you know, if you want to win, like, you know, you got to take this or you got to take that. And and I think, like, you know, he doesn't have a lot of avenues out right now. Um, I mean, he can do the whole thing that AD did, but I don't know. That just does that's just such a PR hit that I think that hurts you in the long run, but I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Matt? I'm very curious. Cause I think, I think you're a pretty big Zion guy, a, a fan like me. Um, unlike Spo. Um, do you have issues with his attitude or like, you know, with, with concerns at least? Uh, I think, uh, I think David Griffin said it the best. He said, quote, it's an easy decision when it comes to offering Zion the max deal. It's an easy decision, like you said, Pat. Uh, smaller market, even though we think it's a really good market, and they, you know, the fans were hyped for the playoffs, and it was a great environment, and they're a good team already. So I think it makes sense from both sides. I think for Griffin, you have to do it, otherwise you're going to be looking for a job pretty soon, even though he's done a good job. Uh, I think if Zion goes somewhere else and he's a all-NBA, multiple-time all-star, then I think David Griffin's going to be fired almost immediately. So you have to do it, and for Zion – uh, nobody else is going to take that risk on you with your injury history to give you the money. So I think for both parties, it makes sense. What I would do is I would do similar to the Joel Embiid type of contract where you have provisions and stipulations in there that have to be met in order to get the full max. So you'll get the full max, but I don't know if it has to be a total of games played or certain other certain other provisos in there that you have to be have to be hit for the player to get the max deal, to get to uh, the fully guaranteed money. But I think you do that to protect yourself a little bit. I don't think you make it uh, hard to get it. It's just basically you play, you know, a certain amount of games a season, unless there's something catastrophic that happens, you get your money. You know what I mean? You show up and you do these certain things that we need you to do. Then you, you know, you do that. And I think the way that you can kind of offset that, because I know players could be kind of like cautious to say, well, I want all the money, Straight up, I want it fully guaranteed now. You could say, well, we're going to put in these, you know, these provisions that you have to hit to get the fully guaranteed money, but uh, we're going to throw in a couple bonuses maybe here or there. If you make an all-NBA team, offense or defense, you know, you'll get a certain amount of money. If you make the all-star team, you get a certain amount of money. And that way you can say, well, even if they're only able to play half of a season or whatever, for whatever reason, if they make the all-star team, then there's, you know, a few million here. So I think that's the way to kind of incentivize him to say, well, um, we believe in you. We're going to give you the money, but we have to protect ourselves. This is a business. You know what I mean? 
So we want you here. And I think he's saying all the right things. I think he's, he's, he sees the writing on the wall where it's like, you know what? Uh, despite, you know, what people are saying that he wants to go to the Knicks or whatever, I think he sees no one's going to give me this money like New Orleans can. I'm going to make all my money now. And the team's good. And I have a great opportunity to maybe, you know, maybe uh, if they continue to gel, maybe make a conference finals in a, in a couple years or so. We don't, we don't know. You know what I mean? I think with him fully healthy, they're a scary team next year that I don't think a lot of teams are going to want to play in the playoffs because I think they will make the playoffs if the, if the team stays healthy. They're just too good. Uh, Willie Fresh has done a great job as a coach. So it makes a lot of sense for me. Like I said, it's an easy decision for me to do it. But um, I think they're both saying the right things, and we'll, I, I can see this getting done pretty quickly uh, unless there's some sort of his agent wants to say, oh, we want uh, we want it all up front. And if I'm New Orleans, I say, no, we're not going to give you all of it up front. We're going to do this. And if you don't like it, no one else is going to give you this. So it's either us or nobody. You know what I mean? And I think he takes that. So. Yeah, nice. Any final thoughts, Deuce? Any anything else you got on the stove there, or did we 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 cover most of it? Uh, I think we covered most of it. Um, just looking at like uh, to go about the Bulls, everybody's thinking they're gonna take uh, a shooting guard out of uh, here. But basically, for their 18th pick, they're looking for shooting. They need a veteran guard. Mm-hmm. Everybody's thinking they're gonna say take Jalen Williams out of Santa Carla is in a bunch of mock drafts. Um, but there has been stories today saying they are looking maybe to explore to trade that. But like I said, with anything, I really don't know what value you're going to get because Kobe White probably had his worst, <laughs> worst year of his career this year. And I mean, Vooch was okay, but I don't know what you're going to try to get with that. So we'll just see what happens. Um, that's pretty much it for the hot stove for this week. Well, the Kings are always, always open to wheeling and dealing. So you can always call up. You can count on the Sacramento front office and maybe do you a favor. So that's what they're good at. So I really we'll wanted Sabonis on the Bulls. Like, I so wanted him so bad in the Bulls, and the Kings got him. Well, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, there's – well, I'm sure, like, as the finals end and we get closer – you know, NBA draft, there's usually a, at least a significant trade on draft night every year. Um, so – Still, we'll keep our, our ears to the ground there, and and then you know the the stove will really start to heat up and get get pretty full uh, by by the start of free agency. There's always we'll get a bunch of rumors. This star wants to be traded. This guy doesn't like it here. They'll they'll come. So we'll have to have you back on um, with, when all that stuff goes down for sure. And and especially if the Bulls do something significant. Um, but uh, for now we. Uh, the season is not yet over. The postseason, at least, is not yet over in the in the NBA. Um, when we last checked in, it was it was almost two weeks ago. Um, the Warriors had beat Dallas, and we knew they were going to be in the finals. And then it was between Miami and Boston to duke it out. I then went on vacation, and then that series went seven with um, Boston Boston taking it home. Um, after some pretty heroic um, Jimmy game, a, a, a pretty big Jimmy game to keep them in it. Um, but yeah, so we're four games into the finals. It is officially tied 2 2. Um, actually, each team took uh, an away game on the opponent's floor. Um, so it wasn't just like home game, home game advantage for that. Um, the games have been a lot like the Eastern Conference Finals games were. They've been, I would say, competitive, 
but the end results always 10 or more points in one direction. Like they don't look competitive when you look at the scoreboard, but what I'm, what I feel like has been the story is like single quarters are defining this series. So Celtics big fourth quarter in game one, that won them the game. They were down 10, had a huge fourth quarter um, game two. Uh, the Warriors really rode strong third quarter um, game three. Uh, the Celtics, they had either a really big first or second quarter, but it's really like teams going on these runs um, and having big quarters that have been separating them. Otherwise, the, most of the game has been competitive um, for, for most of these teams. So it's it's been interesting in that way. Um, but yeah, I kind of just want to hear your all, y'all's thoughts. Maybe we could do some P more specials and stinker specials for the series. You know, what you've been, you, what you've liked from what you've seen, what you haven't, um, you know, what, what are your impressions? Who do you think is going to win? Um, I can't remember Deuce's pick for this series. I think, um, Matt and I both picked Golden State in six and seven games. But I think uh, I think yeah. Deuce also had he can say, but I'm pretty sure Deuce had Golden State in six as well. I think we're all on the same page here. Yes, go yeah. Mo- yeah Mo- we, Mo- it, was, it was a consensus. We all had Golden State in six. That was so yeah. Yeah. So let's let's also talk about just how we feel about that those predictions moving forward. You know, tied series. So I don't know if you all feel all that much differently about them, but uh, yeah. Why don't Why don't you kick things off, Deuce? Uh. I think that if this series has shown anything, it has shown that uh, Steph Curry still has it at a 34-year-old guard. Uh, he's still a lethal shooter. Um, and with the defense that Boston has, even with their great defense, they can't stop Steph right now. He's putting Golden State on his back, and he's carried them these past two victories and actually the whole series. Uh, Jason Tatum looks very, very uh, hesitant. He's not the Jason Tatum we saw in the Miami series. Of course, they don't have the talent that Golden State has, but he doesn't seem as dominant as he was in those series. He kind of woke up a little bit in Game 4, but it's not like that Tatum that was just going off. Uh, Jalen Brown has actually taken over that role for the um, Celtics. Uh, good to see Robert Williams playing well for the Celtics. Uh, I, me and my Matt always do a... Uh, we watched the game together over the phone, then we'd comment, and Time Lord looked like he was in pain during that Miami series when he came back, and even some of the Golden State series. Now he looks a little bit more gingerly walking, but he's starting to get see show out, you know, what he can do. And they're actually letting him get the ball now. Like if you look at him, he's always posted up under the basket, and nobody ever passes him the damn ball. Now they're actually giving him the ball, and he, you know he showed up. I think last game he had over ten rebounds, and I think like over eight points. Um, so he's he's coming through. Uh, the series to me, I still got Golden State winning. I think Steve Kerr will out is getting a little out coached right now, but I think his star players are need to step up. And if Steph gets some help, whether it be from Jordan Poole or Clay Pigeon Thompson, if he starts to step up and you know play up to his level or even a little bit half of what Clay is, because Clay's been horrible the whole playoffs except for three games. I know he's coming back from a major injury, but you still need something out of you like to help out Steph to carry that load. Jordan Poole needs to step it up as well. He's very inconsistent. It's right now. It's basically Curry and Wiggins, and DeAndre um, uh, Draymond Green is basically, you know, being Dennis the Menace trying to make people get mad, <laughs> but but he's not putting up any major stats. Uh, his he's getting destroyed by Al Horford, and I love Al Horford, but I just can't go with Boston with this. I want I think, you know, Golden State just has too much talent, and they're a veteran presence should carry them to the six game victory. But the more and more I look at it, the more I think this is probably going to go seven. 
What do you think, Matt? What do you have to add there? Yeah, I agree with everything Deuce said. Uh, Stevie Curry has been phenomenal. He's put the team on his back. Jason Tatum, to me, he's been average. I don't think he's been bad. I don't think he's been great. I think overall he's been average. Uh, Brown is definitely uh, Boston. Boston's Finals MVP would be Brown currently, and obviously Curry is the best player in the series by far. So I would say I agree with that. And uh, as far as Time Lord, it's amazing uh, what what can what you can see and what you can do when the coach realizes that you have a double double machine basically on the floor and he's always open. A really funny story. Uh, I, th- I want to say it was Game Three. There was a side. There was a side inbound. Tatum's inbounding the ball, and Time Lord's right in front of him, and he, there's nobody on him because they know he never passed him the ball. Everybody else is covered, so we're getting close. You know, one second. It's getting closer to five second inbound rule, and Tatum looks at Williams. And he goes, "Well, I guess I have to give you the ball." So he passes it to him, and immediately Williams is passing the ball back because he knows, "Like, oh, here." So he's just like, "Well, I guess to avoid the violation, I guess I have to give you the ball," and he just gets it right back. It's it's almost unbelievable. Like. He's always open, and um, like I said, he should be a double-double machine. So, Williams, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see him playing better. I'm glad to see that there's the other guys have some confidence in him. I mean, he is toughing it out, but uh, he's a great, great defender. We know that. So, yeah, basically, be, does Curry have enough help? Is he going to get enough help? Because he's we'll, – we'll talk about um, his numbers later – but uh, basically, he's he's dropping over thirty. He's been phenomenal. This is to me. This has been his best playoffs of his career. I know it's a pretty uh, a big statement, a bold statement, given that he's been in five finals before this and he has three rings. But to me, this is his best performance in the playoffs holistically. I would say, and this is then this is uh, he's obviously thirty four, and he was in his he was significantly younger before then. But I think it's a situation where Jordan Poole has been very inconsistent. He's kind of been he's kind of been like doing his best Draymond Green impression with arguing about every single call, yelling at the referees, and he hasn't been aggressive on offense. And he's not a defender, so if he's not aggressive on offense, and he gives you nothing. Uh, I also think that uh, Wiggins has been pretty solid, better than I thought he would be, which is good to see. And I mean. Let's just give some love to Looney Tunes. Kevon Looney is might be the most underappreciated big in the league. He does everything for these guys. Like he's uh Draymond Green uh definitely gets the starts. He starts more, he gets more minutes because of reputation, but I feel like Kevon Looney is vastly outplaying him. And I think they're a better lineup when Green either has has less minutes than Looney, or if you let if you let him uh switch them out for each other. I think playing them together, extended minutes hasn't been helping. And I think Looney's proven that he's very valuable. He might be one of the most – he's probably the most valuable player on this team aside from uh, Curry and Wiggins. I think Looney's probably their third most valuable player. And I'm not saying he's the best and the most talented, but he's the most valuable. Like, who else do they have that can that can give you defense and size and obviously chip in a couple points here, get you some rebounds and stuff like that. So Kevon Looney, just want to give him some love. He's been great. I'm really happy to see that. And he played every game this year, so we'd love to see that too. And in terms of Boston, Grant Williams has been basically a zero for them so far. A lot of fouls. Draymond Green, uh, Draymond Green has been, you know, a disaster. He's looking kind of old out there. I don't want to say he's washed because I never like it's way too early to see that. I have to see an entire season of prolonged um, play before I can say that. But he's looking, he's starting to look old out there a little bit. 
Maybe he's hurt. I don't know. He did have the injury earlier. But, you know, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard has been, you know, here and there. They're not getting much from Boston. It's basically Brown, Tatum, Horford, and Williams here and there when they decide to play with them. So uh, it's looking like it's going to be which role players complement the stars the best is going to win this series to me. So I'm sticking with Golden State in six, but I definitely could see it going seven. But Golden State, uh, I know when you say shoulda, woulda, coulda, they should win this series given that it's the best two out of three and they have two of those three games at home. You have to win this series if you're Golden State, to me, with two games at home. And you do have a great home court, and Boston has a great home court as well. But this is why you play to get home court advantage. You won more games than you got it. So that's just my thoughts. But uh, what do you think, Hoops Guru, about the finals? Yeah, I think I, I agree mostly with with what both of you had to say about it. Um, my the For me, the biggest thing has been, yeah, like, it's been about, it's been Steph Curry's series. Um, it's funny because like, you know, in his prime, um, you know, he was always kind of criticized for not being the guy in the playoffs. And, um, you know, he would, a lot of that, you know, I, I think we both agree he should have won the finals MVP in 2014, 15 instead of Andre Iguodala. Um, But, but it, it speaks to a larger issue is that like, his teammates have always been really good. Like his teammates have always been all-stars, right? So it's hard to, and and if he's not absolutely cooking, it's like, well, is he that much better than say Clay Thompson, who prior to this year in the playoffs had always been probably the better playoffs performer, um, locked down guys on defense, had really big, big games, big quarters. Um, Draymond was always like there, you know, kind of, making it happen on the defensive end. And so it was just kind of like a thing of like, yeah, he's not playing as good as he does in in the regular season. Plus he's got all this help around him. Like, so we're not going to reward that this year. It's like the opposite. Like the help has not been stepping up in any meaningful way. Draymond has been bad. I mean, aside from game two, he was good in game two, but he's been bad. I mean, he's been terrible on offense not passing the ball looks afraid to even take layoff layups at this point like he missed a couple bunnies last night um and then he's just not even really bringing it that much on defense either like Jalen Brown has kind of been cooking him the last two games from what I've seen every time Draymond's guarded him one-on-one so um he's not giving it to you on that end either and then Jordan Poole who everyone's talking about this is he's going to be you know he's the third splash brother he's the next big thing you know gives him more kind of speed and athleticism he only seems to score when they're up 10 you know or they're out of the you know they're out of it the game's over like he he just he is not like lived up especially i had him as you know he was one of the best players in their first round series against denver um and was really good in in the second round as well so you know the help's not coming from the usual places or where we would expect it to Looney has been, you know, his typical, very good, you know, role player, you know, doing all the little things like Matt said. I agree that he should be getting more minutes than Draymond. They took they took Draymond out in the fourth quarter, Kerr did, kept him on the bench, put Looney in, and the Warriors kind of started to pull away when that happened. So I think you've got to experiment with that more as well with, as, as much as it hurts me to say this, Given given Thompson less minutes, I mean he just he just hasn't really been there this series. Um, he is not the Clay Thompson I've seen in playoffs past. 
Um, really having trouble shooting the ball. I mean, he's still taking really tough shots, you know, he's hitting his like, you know, open threes and stuff, you know, but that's, that's only helps you so much in the playoffs. You got to be able to bring it defensively. I was very, and, and Matt, we talked about this. I was very encouraged to see the defensive performance he had last night in, in the fourth quarter, he had some really nice plays. Um, definitely looked more like his old self, but the rest of the series, he, he hasn't, he, I've seen him getting blown by by Jalen Brown and and Tatum over and over again even smart so he just hasn't been that and so um yeah like Wiggins has been you know good I think um you know good playing good defense hitting his open shots Looney has but it's been the Steph show and I would argue that you know he's been so good that this to me would warrant a 1969 Jerry West situation where a team on the losing team, if the Warriors were to lose, gets the finals MVP because he was that much better than so than anyone on the other team. Um, so I, I just don't that's that might be a hot take, you know, but I would say if it if the season if the series ended right now, I would give it to him over Tatum or Brown. Um Brown turns the ball over quite a bit, not as great defensively Tatum just his shot is not there this year he's still playing good defense you know passing the ball getting him points but really inefficient shooting um he has he hasn't really had his signature game which a lot of people have talked about but yeah any any thoughts on that uh Deuce or or Matt Deuce no. go ahead and give your thoughts on uh, on Clay Pigeon because I want to I want to I want to yeah. get into this uh well clay is not my favorite person right now he's cost me x amount of dollars every time i bet him <laughs> for a parlay and i'm not talking like parlays where i expect clay to have like 30 points i bet on a parlay for clay to get 10 and i think that game he got me two i bet on clay to get me two rebounds and he got me zero one game like he's very inconsistent i know he's coming back from an injury but clay is playing like i said to you guys earlier like jeb bushley right now Last game, he came alive, and that is what the Warriors need is for the Splash Brothers to come and thrive. If Steph's going to carry, he still has to have some help on the outside. Now, Wiggins is doing what he can, but Clay needs to step up a little more to give him more of that outside shot. Also, uh, people, I know you said that Clay's been hitting his open threes. He has not. He's His shot has been off. Uh, he seems to be a lot better in rhythm running to his mid-range game. Uh, he's been ripping it through that way, but like some of his open threes are not really falling like they usually do and it could be rust but right now you know you can't declare yourself back a couple times a couple rounds ago that you're back and then play like dog shit the next two rounds until you know we really need you i was like it's put up or shut up right now and most of the great players do put up or shut up right now uh so he he's i i don't hate clay like I, it's just the clay's just playing very bad right now and i think you know, at the most crucial time when you should be playing somewhat and giving your all, it's just, you know, yesterday he played decent defense. On, uh, but I, there's also times during this playoffs that he's doing the Olay defense where he's just letting people run past him. Uh, you know, he's not he's not switching to his guy. He's like, he's just, he'll do the little, oh, I'm gonna, well, I'll walk over here and put my hand up while you take the shot. You know, he just needs to start playing. If he's not playing well on the offensive side of the game, he needs to start playing well on the defensive side of the game. Just to give something of the effort. I think he's maybe frustrated. That could be another reason too. But the Warriors really need him to start get going to, you know, help with these last uh, possible three games. 
for sure. It's it's been disappointing. Um, I don't know. Maybe he'll give them like a big closeout game again, you know, if nothing else this series um, and end things on a high note. But um, yeah, to me, he, he just doesn't, this isn't the Clay Thompson that, that I'm used to seeing. Um, so, you know, something's up, maybe it's getting his confidence back. Maybe he's still kind of, you know, sluggish from injury. Um, but yeah, I think he needs to, he's got to find a way to be effective, even if he's not fully, you know, recovered athletically, like you gotta maybe just be smarter about the shots you're taking. He takes, like I said, a lot of tough shots and it's like your shots not falling right now. Like maybe, you know, keep it moving. If it's wide open, you've got to take those, but otherwise, you know, not with the, you know, the two guys striped over your shots when, when Steph's out there and you've got some more help. So. Um, yeah, especially the crazy shots is kind of you know something that's not wise right now. Like you're saying, like they they're playing Draymond Green, and he really doesn't have he uses a size factor to Robert Williams, and Robert Williams is just manhandling for rebounds down there. Uh, I like when Looney's in the game to help them out, but when Robert Williams is there over Draymond, like he's mm-hmm. taking taking the rebounds, the offensive boards away from him. Yeah, I mean, I, Robert Williams has, has been good. I, I feel like all of Boston's bigs have been pretty good. I mean, besides Grant Williams, I mean, he's been terrible. Um, but, yeah, it's – it's um, Boston's bigs have kind of been winning them the game, whereas I feel like the uh, the Warriors, it's really just Steph. It's like it's he's, he's the one doing everything. So um, – yeah, I mean, me and me and Matt were talking yesterday. It's it's a new series. It's a new three game series now, and Golden State has home court advantage. Not that that, that not that that's mean all that much for either of these teams, um, all playoffs. But you know, got to win two games out of three now, um, and so this is where the better team steps up and makes it happen. Um, this is when the pressure is really on. You can't give you know Warriors a couple times. I felt like it just given games away. Um, and they've been able to come back from in every series, not just not just this one. And every time they've been able to come back and make up for it, and it's like three games left. You can't give anyone anything anymore. Like it's got to be every game. You got to have your best. If that means sitting Draymond Green and Clay Pigeon, like you know, even though they're two of the franchise's most beloved players ever, I mean, if you're Steve Curry, you got to do it. That's just that's that's what needs to happen. So he's shown a little more. Uh, willingness to do that lot this these last games uh last game or two um so i you know either they got to show up or they got to be cool with letting other guys try to give give and 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 make something happen yeah definitely and i agree with what deuce said earlier too about kerr being out coached so far i think he has i think he really needs i liked what he did in game four where he he sat you know draymond down he kind of went offense defense at the end of the game to seal it which i think was necessary but I think he needs to really, you know, amend some of his rotations. Like it's okay to sit Green, it's okay to sit Thompson. I mean, give give Kuminga and Moody a little bit, a couple minutes here and there. You know what I mean? See what they got. It can't be much worse for some of these. And I also think um, the Andre Iguodala ship has sailed. I think I don't. I like Andre Iguodala. I think he's done. I think he he'd be he's going to be a great coach someday. Let's just put it that way. Um, he can't stay healthy. I think it's just it's it's past that time for him. And like I said, he'll be a great coach. I'd like to have him as a coach on my staff if I had a team. And he's a high five award. He doesn't need to be yeah, on the board. Yeah, he's a high five award guy. And uh, James Wiseman too. But also, um, I think I think you have this a situation where 
I really want to see how the mitten looks next game because he came back in game two. He was not very good at all. And game three, he was not very good. And his, his calling card defense, he wasn't really playing it. He can't finish at the rim. I feel like he's still a little bit apprehensive after what happened with Brooks and that, that cheap shot by Brooks. And I also think that um, maybe he's not 100% healthy. Maybe he might have rushed back a little bit. But he was better in game four. Uh, he wasn't amazing, but he was better. So I want to see if he continues to build on that too. But if not, you know, pull him out of there. Put Kuminga, put Moody in there. Moody shows he can hit the shot. He's not afraid of the moment. And Kuminga can do the same as well. They're younger guys. They're rookies, obviously. But still, they do give you some size and some length out there too and athleticism, especially Kuminga, which could be a nice a nice foil to, you know, guys like Tatum and Brown. At least put him on there. Maybe it could, could alter the shot, could bother them a little bit especially when Brown starts to get cooking, maybe switch that out because uh, the Mitten's a great defender, but he's he's also a smaller guy. He's not, you know, 6'8". You know what I mean? So there's only so much he can do, especially if he's just coming back from injury. He had a month off, essentially. So I just think that, I think Kerr, I like to write before I want to see more from that because he has been, I think he has been outcoached uh, by the guy with the most protected chin in the league, Ime <laughs> Udoka. Uh, um, his chin is uh, his chin is very protected. It'll never nothing ever happen to it. So I think he's uh, he's been doing a, a solid job. I think he's kind of re- realized that you know Tice isn't really giving me much. He's not really a fit for this. I let him you know chill on the bench and things like that. And he's been you know uh, Derek White. I think has been pretty solid. Um, I think he's been playing pretty solid. He's been giving you some offense. He's been playing some you know. Uh, spark plug on defense a little bit too. So he's been he's been solid. I think he's been better. This might be one of his best series I think he's had so far in this playoffs. So it's gonna be like I said, it to me it comes down to which role which complimentary players help the stars out the most. And as far as Clay Pigeon, uh, I agree with you guys. Uh, I think he'll be better, much better next year, but I think he's still getting his his no his legs under him. But he has been bad. Uh, game four was probably his best defensive game. Game three was his best offensive game of the series. Now, can he put both those together in game five? We'll see. But um, it comes down to it's not about reputation. It's about winning a championship. And if Clay Thompson is frustrated by how, how he's been playing, which is inconsistent or bad, to be real with you guys, how frustrated do you think Curry is when he's dropping 30-plus a game and ostensibly they could be up 3-1, but in game one he had no help at all, and they lost at home in a game that people could say they probably shouldn't have lost. So, I mean, if 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 you know, Draymond or Draymond Green and you know Thompson want to get frustrated, imagine how Curry feels, how frustrated he can be. You know what I mean? So let's just think about that. Let's try to help this guy out. So those are just those are just my my uh my thoughts on it. But what do you uh who's kind of what's your what's your X factor in this, Pat? Like what do you think? Do you do you agree with me? Like kind of like it's which stars or I mean which role players help out the stars? Or do you see something else kind of shifting the the balance here and kind of putting one team over the top? Well, Tatum, like becoming peak Tatum, I think would give Boston a big edge. Like if he can match Curry offensively, and I mean he's shown he can in the first in in the previous rounds, he had multiple games where he had huge games, forty point games. Um, so to me, he's the X factor. Like if he gets going. Boss, that's how Boston wins the series. Jason Tatum steps up. Um, 
because right now, because he's not giving them that, you got more Marcus Smart shots, which no Boston fan, I'm sure, ever wants to see. Uh, I sure as shit don't. Um, you know, so he, I, that dude takes more like three pointers in the fourth quarter than any person I've ever seen. And he has two all star teammates who are much better at that than him. So, you know, I, I think Tatum has to take over. Um, I think they got to continue getting good minutes from Rob Williams. I think maybe a, a good Horford game. You know, he he had a really good game one. He's still been good. Don't get me wrong. He's still played well, you know, but a little more quiet, at least in terms of offensive production. Um, so I think Boston has some more avenues to, to be better as well. But with, with the Warriors, I think you just have to have a good, like, 25-point game from one of the other guys, either clay has to give it to you, either pool has to give it to you or Wiggins has to give it to you. That's that to me is kind of the solution. Draymond's not going to give you that many more points. Can he play better? Yes. But you got to find that offensive production from someone else um, besides, you know, besides Curry. And so that's, that's, what's going to be the deciding factor. Both teams play really good defense. Both teams take advantage of turnovers. Both teams turn the ball over. So, like, to me, they have a lot of the same weaknesses. And so that's why I still, like, I picked it to go seven. Um, I still see it going seven. And I think, like, any player just kind of getting hot, that's what's going to dictate this series in the end. Whether that's Tatum, whether it's Thompson or Poole, whether it's Horford, right? Like, they – they just need to get a little bit more um, both offensively from both teams. So that that's really what it comes down to for me. So are you, uh, you're amending your pick. Are you going to go, you're going golden state in seven now? I believe that was, was, I believe that was my original pick. I thought it was six. So I could be wrong. I, I know I had golden state might've been six. I thought it was seven, but yeah, I, I, I would see this going seven. Okay. Uh, I'll go Golden State in six. I'll stick with mine. Deuce, uh, final thoughts and your final pick um, for the series. No, I totally agree with everything everybody said here. Uh, it's just like kind of like being a dead horse. Just uh, stuff needs help. People just got to step up help them out. Uh, I still believe Golden State wins this, and I am going to say Golden State in six. And uh, I'm, I'm assuming if Golden State wins, obviously Curry would be the MVP from all of us. If Boston were to win, who would be your finals MVP really quickly? Mine would be uh, Jalen Brown, I feel like, would probably be so far. What about you guys? Yeah, mine mine would definitely be Jalen Brown. Um, he's He's been their best offensive player. Um, you could see the point totals are similar. I think um, they, they're they actually averaging the same number of points, according to basketball reference at this point, 22.3. But Jalen's have come on less shots. Um, you know, he, he's he's been more efficient. Um, he's been more effective getting into the paint. Um, Tatum's still getting shots. He he still gets to the line a decent amount. You know, still makes some some big big uh, threes here and there. But to me, it's been Jalen who's really made more stuff happen. Um, you know, on the offensive side, and uh, yeah, you know with a team with you know so many good defenders it's hard for me to like give their defensive performance credit to one guy so i'll go jalen brown uh what about you what about you deuce uh i would agree say jalen brown uh he stepped up his game uh for this series so i think he's been um 
their most consistent player. Like I said, uh, Jason Tatum has been very timid uh, to be. He was. He's not. He's not the same player he was with the Heat series. I don't know if, if the show is just bigger. You know, the lights are all on them now for the championship or what. But he's just not the same Tatum. So and Jalen Brown has filled his role like very well. Um, I would also like uh, Clay Thompson to help me hit a parlay if he can this next game. That'd be great. <laughs> Well, stop putting him in parlays, dude. So you gotta have learned your lesson by now. Yeah, but the odds for Clay—he's been so bad. His odds are so great. <laughs> the That's odds why. are good because he's yeah, been bad. Yeah, the odds are good because he's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, really quickly, I want to just—I want to just touch because I—I I feel like I forgot to talk about it. Was when the hoops guru said this could be a situation where you do a Jerry West memorial, where you have uh, mm-hmm. Stevie Curry, regardless of he should be the Finals MVP. I would have zero problem with that, but I'm going to be real with you. I don't think it's ever going to happen again. I see no, no way that a either. team that loses the finals will ever, ever have their player win the finals MVP. Because if you look at uh, uh, the basketball baron, he averaged almost a triple-double in 2015, mm-hmm. and he was phenomenal because everybody else was hurt. He carried that team. The fact that he even wins six games is almost a miracle. You know what I mean? With the two best players hurt, or two other guys hurt, and he didn't even get consideration yeah. for it. Uh, even sure. though we both we all agree Curry got robbed on that one, and it wasn't Iguodala, it should have been Curry because how good was the defense if he's almost averaged a triple double? You know what I mean? So, and it was a good triple double, it was like in the high 30s, I must say 38. It was a lot of points, so um, yeah, so I don't think it's ever going to happen, but I wouldn't have a problem with it. So, Deuce, what do you think? Would you have a problem with that if uh, uh Curry won finals MVP, even though they if they didn't win? No, I, I think I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Uh, I think it's very rare, especially for a, a sport like NBA. It's something that's not going to happen again since the Jerry West era. And I think it's because there are going to be a lot of people who are going to outcry that you should give it to somebody on the winning team. Uh, hockey is a little different because hockey has the you know the whole playoffs, the Con Smythe. And there has been goalies uh, that have won the Con Smythe for the losing team. It's because they were so dominant leading up to that point. You know, um, but in this terms, like there, there will be a public outcry why somebody didn't, from Boston didn't win. You know, uh, I think Seth Curry has shown that he deserves to win it. Um, I could be wrong, but it's the NBA, and I highly doubt they do that. Uh, knowing them, they're gonna go with somebody on the winning team. Yeah, I, I think Matt Matt gave us the precedent for that. Is LeBron James was so much better than Andre Iguodala in 2015. Like that, that was that was a stronger case than this is even to me. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's it's never gonna happen again. I, unless it was like, you know, if someone averaged 50 for the finals and their team lost, like that might be, you know, that might be the thing. But but Matt, no, Matt's in the media job bringing up LeBron and yeah, the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hey man, at least I do it when it actually makes sense. I don't just talk about what's his uh, favorite that's... ice cream flavor, so because I don't care. But uh, uh, or what's his favorite TV show or his favorite color? That's irrelevant to me. We'll talk about that later. But um, yeah, I think it's. I mean, I, I think uh, I would love to see. I think we'd all love to see Curry win the Finals MVP. I think it's well deserved, and it would be. I think it's what he's. It's the only thing I think he's really missing off of his his resume is a finals MVP. And I think then then you can start having those conversations, whether you agree with them or not. Those, is he a top 10, top 15 player of all time or a top, the best point guard of all time? I think those conversations make, uh, they become even more heated if he has a finals MVP and four championships. I mean, it's kind of hard to dismiss that, right? So I think, I think it's definitely warranted. <laughs> but 
but yeah, I think uh, I think it's a situation where you just we see what's going to happen. But I don't think it's ever going to uh, a guy in the losing team's ever going to win it again. But and I, mean, I get it. But I think with the social media age, they would go crazy if a guy on the losing team won it. You know, so you'd have guys like uh, our friend Uncle Steve and Skipper and stuff would go crazy and. In between the the twenty five Lakers and Nets segments, the Cowboys segments on their show, they they talk about this for five minutes and go crazy about it. So, yeah, yep, for sure. Um, well, yeah. Any any other final thoughts on on the finals uh, before we before we move on? No, it's been a solid one, not not a great one, but a competitive one, which is good. So it's been it's been solid. Yeah. I think yeah. it's been good, worth watching at the very least. Yeah, it's it's been you know entertaining. I'm glad to see it's competitive. So it's been solid. Not not one of my favorites, but one that I don't think any of us could have guessed. I don't know if anybody guessed Golden State Boston before the year started, but it's been fine. So uh, yeah, the the announcing crew is so much, and not so much. So uh, I, I think Mark. I don't. I just still don't understand how Mark Jackson is 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 an announcer. He's so bad. And when it was just Mark Jones and Mark Jackson, you're you're kind of you know what I mean? You're hanging on by a thread there because Mark Jones is, I like Mark Jones a lot, but when it's just Mark Jackson and nobody else to serve at it, I don't know how I feel, but Deuce, I know you have thoughts on it. I know uh, you, I know you, I know you like when they're, they're playing with their food. Uh, so God, I cannot stand uh, his comments for playing with your food. Every time somebody <laughs> dribbles a damn ball with somebody covering them. Uh, I really, he really irritated me when he kept calling uh Jokic Joker the whole time. Joker, Joker. Just call him by his real name. You can, I mean, I think like nicknames usually go with uh you know hometown callers like Stacy King or you know if you have a hometown announcer you're a national announcer like I know it's his nickname every once in a while I throw it in there but Joker 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 or playing playing with his food is an overrated term uh, I think Mark Jackson is horrible I used to think he was an excellent coach until I heard him talk on the play by play and uh, Jeff Van Gundy uh you know has re- you know reignited my hate for him he reminds <laughs> me of uh, he looks like Dobie from Harry Potter with his little suits and he just complains and whines. I'm not a fan of the whining. Uh, there's enough going on the court with whining. I don't need it in the, uh, the press, the uh, announcing booth. Um, but as far as the finals games played, I think, you know, this series it, besides maybe a couple in the Miami Boston series, these games like are not really blowouts. So we're actually seeing competitive play, which is something that's very good since throughout the playoffs, it was either you get blown out, or, you know, it's one team blows out the other, and that was basically it. And the Stars don't play the fourth quarter. So we're actually seeing some competitive, some competitiveness between two teams, and that's kind of what we wanted to see throughout the playoffs. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. P. Moore, final thoughts on your guy, as we, as we affectionately call him Sourpuss, Jeff Van Gundy, or as Deuce likes to call him now, Davi. Um, well, Deuce and I, are we're, we're much more Stan Van than Jeff. I know you're more of a Jeff guy, so... Thoughts on the uh, the announcing crew so far? I think it's been uh, below average. To nice. Um, what about you? On the announcing crew, yeah, no. The ESPN's announcing crews are, especially with Doris Burke not doing them anymore. They've just gone. They've gone downhill. Um, but I, I love Jeff Van Gundy. I think he's like, yeah, he's he's complained a little bit. But when he has been complaining, it's been stuff I've been complaining about. Like, what are these foul calls? Like, you know, stop complaining at the refs. Like, that's it's all stuff that I'm thinking as I'm on the couch too. Like, sh- stop freaking bitching for once. Just play basketball. Like, <laughs> it's 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 insane. Um, 
So I, my problems out with Van Gundy. I always love a good green, uh, a good uh, green green call. Um, but when he's drowned out by the by both of those guys, like you got to have. I don't I don't get pairing Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy. I mean, I honestly don't get put Mark get putting Mark Jackson on air. Period. But um, you know, at least at least like separate them or something. I think I think Van Gundy. Um, is better by himself too. He, he gets a little goofier, and I, I like that. Also, Mark Jackson has horrible catchphrases. That oh, just bad. Both, that, him and the him and uh, the other guy who keeps saying playing with his food. Mark, there goes that man. Like they're horrible. Like just stop. Uh, I think it's a I think it's a missed golden opportunity to have both Van Gundy brothers call the finals. Whether you want to keep Jackson because you're contractually obligated, unfortunately. Then you have all three of them on there, but I think it was—it's a, a missed opportunity. He had a golden opportunity to have the Van Gundys and Breen call. Would have been very entertaining to see that the dynamic between the two brothers. So I just want Stan yeah. to dunk on Jeff. That's the only reason. Um, well, I mean, well, we agree. Stan is obviously the superior Van Gundy brother. So <laughs> speak for yourselves. Yeah, I know. Peter, yeah, <laughs> we're Stan. I like Stan Van. I think he's very entertaining. So yeah. Yeah, he me yeah. That Knicks, all, he keeps showing me that Knicks. Yeah, all I can think about is the Bulls. You know, giving them the opportunity to try to go to the finals for two years, and they didn't, couldn't even do that and win yeah. one. When Not Michael to get Jordan too took much a on a tangent, but we were talking about that. Deuce and I were talking about that. We're like, "Yo, Jordan gave you, you know, he gave you a whole year to get to the finals, and he gave you didn't make the finals the year when he came back. So he's like, okay, the other twenty nine teams, I'm going to give you a shot. You got two years to win the, to go to the finals." And we both they laughed because we're like the Rockets took full advantage of that. <laughs> they never, they haven't been back to the finals since. So. I love uh, Patrick Ewing though, so I'm not oh, a yeah, whole, total Knicks hater. I who just does, who doesn't love Big Pat? But yeah, he, it's, he it's did all, get it's all he, fun. He did get dominated by Hakeem though. Like Hakeem <laughs> just destroyed him. Well, Hakeem That's... showed uh showed a young Shaquille O'Neal how it was done as well. He dominated yeah. him. Hakeem so. Hakeem destroyed like three Hall of Famers in those that two year stretch when uh, when Jordan was out. Like there was no doubt, Hakeem was the best player. Um, yeah, all yeah, good the, Knicks, the Knicks blew it. The Knicks blew it. Not just when Jordan was out, but multiple times when he's there too. I'm thinking about Charles Smith and several other times. They 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 blew it. And uh, only brought that up because it is the uh, today is the anniversary of the flu game of Game Five oh, yeah. of the '97 Finals against Utah, where Jordan had food poisoning. And he had you could I mean it's one of the most famous finals games of all time where on uh he dropped Pizza 38 poisoning. and gave the Bulls it, it a three was food two poisoning. Lead. It was food yeah, poisoning. It, it was... came out in the the last dance that uh it was food poisoning. He said he claims he ate a a pizza and he was the only person that ate it and he got sick, which I can't believe because Jordan's kind of really selfish as it is. Um, but he said he was eating it and like the next day he was just throwing up like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I also I some people have a different name for it, the hangover game. Jordan loved to like freaking go out he, till 3 a.m. the night before. Yeah. Uh, I've heard, I've heard the it, it also could have been altitude well. sickness from, too. from other journalists who have nothing to do with Chicago. I've heard like uh, guys like Woody Page on his podcast talked about, uh, um, for just a small aside, he was talking to Michael Jordan when he got out of the limo and Jordan was talking to him. He goes, Hold on a minute. And he just went and threw up in the garbage can right before the game. <laughs> so he was, he was out of it. Uh, but he dropped 38. They took a 3-2 uh, series lead, and of course, they won Game Six, and the rest is history. So, yeah. a great, a great moment in Finals history, and a great way to end our uh, our Finals talk. So.
Yeah. I would just say, I don't think it being the hangover game or whatever it is, the food poison that makes it any P. less P. impressive. The P. Moore game. If, if, if he's, if I don't care if he's hungover, if it's altitude sickness, if it was food poisoning, if it was the flu, all those things suck. And the fact that he like still showed up and won them that game is legendary. That's, that's why he's the goat. Legends. That is why he's the goat. That's why you got to give him his darn respect, too. So. Jordan, I would give him respect every day. But it's the other guy that I'm not going to give to. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, sweet. That that was good. Yeah. We'll see how the rest of this finals plays out. Hopefully the games are good. Don't want to see any more blowouts. Um, but, yeah, interested to see how this turns out. Because, like we said, it's anyone's, anyone's series right now. Um, but, yeah, let's, let's turn to everybody's favorite uh, segment here on the – Helmets, Hoops, and Homies podcast. That is our slime ball of the week, and this is the slime ball of two weeks since it's been, uh, you know, it's been been quite a while since we've recorded. So, our slime ball of two weeks, or the last however many days. Um, so yeah, we have of course had plenty of time for the slime balls to uh, start crawling out of their their layers and showing themselves to the public. There's been uh, all sorts of stuff to to criticize these last uh, couple of weeks. Despite me being on vacation, I do I did still you know listen to the podcast and keep up on you know ESPN and on the sports websites and stuff. So I was I was generally aware of what was happening. Um, but yeah, why don't we kick things off with our guest? Give him the honor of uh, of of declaring his slime ball of the week. Or it could Go be multiple just... slime balls. We'll see. So. Uh, so for this slime ball of the week, it's gonna be, it's kind of a twofold thing. Uh, my it has to do with the national media, but it's in terms of I am getting tired of these people keep saying that Steph Curry has ruined the game of basketball because he takes a three point damn shot. That Steph Curry, if anything, helped evolve basketball with his talent. Yes, he takes a lot of threes, but he's probably the best shooter in probably our lifetime outside of Larry Bird, in my opinion in terms of a, of a, a sharpshooter and Ray Allen. The game of basketball evolves. Did somebody tell Dr. J when he dunked the ball, hey, you're fucking ruining basketball? No. Sean they Kemp did. Think, but, no, Sean, they did. Saying, but Sean Kemp can thank Dr. Dre for, uh, Dr. Dre, Dr. J for doing that because that made him a lot of money because all Sean mm-hmm. Kemp did was dunk as well as DeAndre Jordan. Dunk, block, and rebounds. We need to stop being gatekeepers. Games evolve. It happens in every sport. And now I heard today that Michael Jordan could have probably did it was the worst thing for base for basketball because of his greatness. No, you have great players in the league. If anything, Jordan made ba- basketball a more international thing as his shoes were sold everywhere. Everybody was trying to be like Mike at his top of his prime. I think that's why not just to go with his playing career, but Michael Jordan's influence in the game is what makes him the greatest player of all time above any other player. he's It's 20 years since he's retired, and he's still talked about today. His shoes are still out there today. You know, same thing with Dr. J, the creator of the slam dunk. The game is made to evolve. But you want me to tell you what really ruins the game of basketball today? All these damn fouls, like fake fouls and crying and flopping is killing the game. They're professional athletes, not actors. Yes, star players do deserve some leeway in terms of fouls because people are there will be realistic here. People are there to pay. They pay to play. You know, they pay to see those star players on the court. So you're not going to get them uh, on a, something that could go either way and give them the foul right away. You know, 
I'll give the refs that, but the ref, these flops are just ridiculous. It makes me miss the 90s basketball so much. And I mean, there were our proverbial floppers when we were growing up. Mike Bibby B flopping. That's one big one. Vladi Divac. You know, mm-hmm. but there's it seems like every team has floppers. And even on the Chicago Bulls, they have floppers. You don't need to fall down every five minutes. Jalen Brown crying to the ref. Draymond Green crying to the ref about every foul that happens. You know, it's about time they start teeing up everybody that just keeps complaining to the ref. And the refs also start need to be calling fouls that are fouls as well. You know, uh, the officiating, I think, for the finals has been bad, but the the acting needs to stop. That and the media with their whole, you're destroying the game by evolving it is stupid to me because the game did evolve. He had such an impact. Like Steph Curry has such an impact on how the game is played now that every team uses it and you can't win without it. That's one thing that hurt the Bulls. They had no sharpshooters from the outside when Lonzo went down. They had uh, very few three-point uh, weapons, and that's why they're looking for a shooter now. Like, they had Levine and and DeMar, but DeMar never shoots threes. So, that this game, it's, the game's evolved so great that, you know, it's you need that part of your game. You have big men shooting threes, even though some people argue with, hey, they need to be start going into the post more. Yes, but... You know, Dirk Nowitzki was the first big man to start shooting those big threes, and now we have a bunch of teams with a bunch of Dirks on their teams. You know, it's evolving the game, and that's something that's and something's going to change something soon, like in the next five, ten years, to do something different. That's just the way the game is. Don't hate on something evolving, because it's becoming more popular. It's showing that different ways of the game can be played. Stop gatekeeping, and stop fucking flopping. <laughs> those are my slime balls of the of the week. I like can it. I, can I go next, homie? After this. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I, I did just want to comment on that real quick. Um, yeah, couldn't agree more. The flopping in this, it's it's we're, it's looking like European football right now. I don't, I, and that's not what I want hoops to turn into. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Deuce. Like, if they're if you're gonna get up and complain every every single time you think you should get a foul, third time you get up and complain, it's a T right away. That's it. To to me, that's easy. I know I understand this is a stars league and why they're not doing that, but I truly hate seeing players that I otherwise like, you know, and think are good players like Tatum or even Steph does it. He, Steph flops quite a bit. Um, I just, I, I hate that part of the game. I, there's no part of the game I'd be better off getting rid of that with the three-point thing i do think it's funny because i remember when the warriors were first coming up as like a contender charles barkley said (laughs) charles barkley basically said there's no way a jump shooting team can win the nba championship and then they win like three and four years um so you know i would just say the media doesn't know what they're talking about first it was oh there's no way this can win you a championship now it's like oh this is bad for the game and it's like no like you just are salty because the warriors can do something you can't um so i, I they figured out a a, a, a what, what you could call a glitch in the game to make themselves more competitive and they did it and i think that's great like Deuce said that's you know that's innovation that's what you know dr j started and jordan continued weaponizing the dunk so you know, our game, our modern game is based on all of these evolutions. So um, 100% agree with you. But uh, the deputy hoop, uh, the deputy hoops guru, Matt Garcia, <laughs> what are what are what are your thoughts? Yeah, so Deuce and I are the exact same page. I had no idea who was going to do this. I actually have the quotes pulled up for these guys. So uh, Deuce, I got you down for your slime balls as the 
the sports TV media. And then I also I also chipped in our old friend, uh, Uncle Steve, Stephen A. Smith and Rob Parker, because they are the two that have quotes explicitly stating uh, how Jordan ruined the game for our friend, Uncle Steve, and how Rob Parker is probably the biggest Steph Curry hater I've ever seen in my life. He's the equivalent of a Steph Curry hater that Skipper Bayless is for LeBaron James hater. So, Deuce, do you endorse those picks as your uh, your slime balls before I go into mine? Yes. All right, great. So uh, we're also going to have a little vote for the Hall of Slime after P. Moore gives his. So we're going to – I'll save that. But uh, I agree with uh, – I, I say that if a guy is following the ref after a foul call, you uh, tee him up. I'm just tired of seeing it. I really am. Uh, if, if you're following the ref, complaining the whole time, tee him up. You'll get it out of the game real quick. And if not, then guys are going to be getting suspended because they're getting too many tees. So that's the simplest way to do that. Uh, so I have a couple of quotes here, and I just want to read these, and I want to hear uh, both of your guys' thoughts. So basically, Rob Parker, who's uh, he's a Hall of Fame voter for baseball, which tells you much because, to be real, the Baseball Hall of Fame voting is a joke. I think it's the worst Hall of Fame in, in the worst Hall of Fame process of the four major sports in North America. So uh, he's also a huge Steph Curry hater, like we said. And so I'm going to read a very long quote from him. Then I'll get to our old friend, Uncle Steve. So Rob Parker said, uh, Steph Curry ruined the game of basketball. Quote, everybody is a three-point shooter and Steph ruined the game. The game has changed, but in a bad way. I'm not against a three-pointer and I understand it, but now everybody thinks they're, they're three-point shooters and it's only about three-pointers or dunks. Prominent coaches have said he was taking shots that would make you cringe. If Steph would have missed a number of those threes early on, then people would have had him tone it down. But he was making, uh, he was making that last second. Uh, he was making them and made him become even bolder and step out to half court and launch. You were critical of Jimmy Butler taking that last second shot, but maybe Jimmy Butler and others take threes now that maybe they wouldn't have had we not uh, been three ball happy because of Steph. I can almost blame Butler's shot on Steph. You talk to most players, a lot of them say. They don't recognize this game. They don't like it. You hear players all the time say, I can't even watch this. There are a lot of guys who played in the league who don't even watch it and don't think that's entertaining to them. And there are plenty of fans who don't enjoy it, and they blame Steph Curry. I'm blaming Steph for taking ridiculous shots that happen to go in. I wish he would have missed and they would have stopped him early on. I know plenty of players who say they can't watch because the game is ruined by threes. He has changed the way people look at the game. People think they're Steph Curry, and they're not. And that's the problem, end quote. So I'll read uh, Uncle Steve's quote about how Mike has has also – it wasn't Steph Curry that ruined the game. According to Stephen A. Smith, it was Michael Jordan who ruined the game. So let me go ahead and pull that up here. So basically, uh, it was on First Take, everyone's favorite show. So he says, quote, Michael Jordan is responsible as much as anybody for changing the game for the worse. Stay with this. This is throwing no shade at Michael Jordan. Of course, he's the greatest ever in my estimation, number one. But he was so phenomenal that the NBA marketed the individual. The audience gravitated toward the individual and the game because of, and the game became a bit more individualized because people wanted to be like Mike. Before Mike, you had Bird and Magic, Stephen A. said, explaining the two Hall of Famers were all about passing, rebounding, and teamwork. From Jordan, then you had the... Kobe's, the Vince Carter's, and the individualization of the sport. So a couple quick comments before I hear from you guys. So basically, uh, I disagree with Uncle Steve, obviously. I think that 
if it wasn't going to be Jordan, it was going to be somebody else. So why would Jordan pass up, you know, to be the face of the league? They're going to pick somebody else regardless. So get that money. And he's become a billionaire because of it. So I think it's a horrible take. And then for Rob Parker, I think his, his hoop stakes are awful. Uh, one of the worst. And are they really bad shots if they consistently go in? Now, I am one that has criticized uh, Luka Doncic because he takes bad shots. And they usually don't go in, but what they do, he shoots more. But if you're shooting, if you're making 40% of those, quote, bad shots, are they still bad shots? You know what I mean? I would say that they're not. And why is it Stevie Curry's fault that guys who are not as good as him are trying to emulate his game, but they're not as good as him, so they don't do it as well? How is that his fault? That's like saying, like, everybody who's not as good as Michael Jordan ruin the game of basketball because they don't have the athleticism. They can't dunk. They're not as marketable as Michael Jordan is. So they're, they ruin the game. It makes zero sense. And one more quick slime ball besides Rob Parker and uncle Steve. I also have our old friend Skipper Bayless who said quote about Stevie Curry quote. Uh, he is the most overprotected NBA superstar ever replacing LeBron. And uh, he also says he doesn't get it done in the finals. He doesn't have a clutch gene whatever, and he's just a hater. Now, I have been critical in saying that Stevie Curry was bad and was a big a big reason to blame in that 2016 collapse, which is what it was. It was an absolute collapse, a choke job. That 3-1 lead, they should have won that series. And he hasn't been amazing in the finals. But you know what? This year, he's been the best player in the series, and it's not even close. So I think we can kind of say, okay, and he's won three championships. He hasn't been awful, but he hasn't been – as good as he is in the regular season as he was in the playoffs, in the finals at least. And this year, he's been better in the playoffs than he was in the regular season. So, I mean, I think we can kind of put that to bed now, Skipper, but I disagree with that. But, yeah, um, your guys' thoughts on those. Uh, P. Moore, I'll get you in here, and then we'll get Deuce since we agree. Yeah, I mean, the Stephen A. thing on Jordan is just patently false. For years, it was Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. It was Larry versus Magic. It was not the Lakers versus the Celtics. It was Larry versus Magic. Um, the, the game had become individualized by the time Dr. J came around. Dr. J was the face of the ABA and then the NBA. He was by far the most popular player. He was the one that sports media, such as himself, such as Uncle Steve himself, were couldn't stop talking about. If there is anyone to blame for individualizing players it is the media that Stephen a is a part of they are the ones who talk about players not teams it's not it's not the teams themselves every even every one of these superstars you go out and interview them they'll say oh it was a team effort even the players admit that themselves it's the media that does this so him the probably the most recognizable you know media figure other than maybe skip bayless his former co-host i mean you're to blame for that stop bitching us about it um so that's that's the kind of that's my take on him um i i don't i don't i don't like that uh i think it's um a stupid thing to say and it's clearly just you know an effort to get more clicks get more views get more people talking about him um in terms of Steph ruining the game, I don't know who this Parker guy is. Never heard of him. 
I feel like I know most people who are respected in the hoops media world. I do not know this guy. And that's probably why um, I, I now know he's, he sounds like an absolute idiot. So um, Steph Curry, uh, like you pointed out, Matt, he takes those shots because he makes them. He makes them. Steph, Steph is as good from three point. It, Steph is significantly better from three point than Kobe Bryant or T-Mac or you know, any of these other guys were from mid range from like 18 feet out. He's better from three point than they were from the mid range, but you were cool with that. Like that was fine. It's the three point thing that, that it, listen, the only thing that happened and it's not ruining the game. People figured out advanced analytics and math. Three points are worth more than two from, from one bucket to another. Does that make a big difference? No. But if you turn some of those bad 18 footers into bad 24 footers, the upside is greater. You end up winning more. That's it's just how it works. It's, it's math. And if you don't like it, um, you know, take it up with, you know, I don't know, physics, math. That's just how it works. Um, so yeah, I just don't get it at all. It's just the it's the national media will always find stuff to complain about. Um, they'll always find stuff, find ways to, um, you know, to hate on certain players or to make controversial statements. Um, I hadn't heard about either of these things because I, I I stay away from the TV sports talk shows, and now that I'm off Twitter, I don't I don't hear it. So. Um, yeah, those that, those are definitely some slimy moves. I'm 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 disappointed. Deuce, what do you think? Yeah, I don't I don't uh, watch it either. I just it's been like it's recommended when you're on YouTube, even if you don't search it, it's just there. And I'm like, you know what? I, I gotta I gotta watch this clip. I can't watch the whole thing. I can't stomach it. But uh, seeing this is just unbelievable to me. But uh, your take, uh, P. More, real quick on what our pal Skipper, friend of the show, said about uh, Stevie Curry's. Um, Quote, the most overprotected NBA star ever replacing LeBron. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just uh, like Skip. Skip hasn't even warranted me saying anything about him because it's just like, yeah, like what you say is like absolute nonsense <laughs> and I'm not going to talk about. Uh, yeah, there's just nothing. There's just nothing to that. Overprotected from who? What, what does he need overprotection from? He's a top 15 player of all time. Uh, like who's protecting Steph from anything? He's gotten plenty of shit for his playoff performances from, from me and you included who's yeah. protecting him from anything. And, and the same thing with LeBron, like he has his stands. He's also the most criticized player of NBA history by far, you know, say, I know both of you are not LeBron fans, but he is the most criticized player the league's ever seen. No, I, so, I, say, I agree with that. I agree well, he does that, yeah. that to himself though. Yeah, that, but you can't that, say I, think, I, think it's I, I agree, dude. Yeah. You can yeah. argue he did it to himself. What you can't argue is he's overprotected. No, he gets plenty of shit from plenty of people all the time. And so I just inherently disagree. Guys are less protected now than ever with social media. There's more criticism. I, 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 I don't agree with that. I, I like the Kobe Bryant situation just shows that people are protected in general. He's celebrated and we don't look into it like looking into his past and criticizing his accuser. Just shows that people are, have their own persona, how they want to think of these players. I, I agree with you. LeBron is the most criticized, but LeBron brings that upon himself by constantly having to be in the media, constantly becoming a cover band and trying to practice uh, and do what Jordan did or do something different. 
uh, something not even being different, something the same in terms of that. But like, I, I could give two shits what LeBron is tweeting about. He's constantly putting himself out there. I understand you're a public figure, but you want to be in the spotlight, and you're going to get criticized because you. Yeah, but but that doesn't mean he's overprotected. Is all I'm saying. Oh like, no that, no no he's definitely no not, no. Know. I I think Skip Bayless is full of shit. I think Stephen A. Smith's full of shit, and I think all those people who run those shows are full of shit. I, that's why I don't listen to them. I stopped watching PTI a long time ago. I stopped watching. Any of those shows, I do listen to sports talk radio in Chicago, and I turn it off after people go on rants or become meatballs. You're, I understand what you know. It's different for a local station to be more of a meatball and say stupid things, but when you're a nationally syndicated program, I think yeah. they go more for ratings with hot takes, and that's you know, which are fine if you want to do every once in a while. Like even our show is going to have a hot takes on movies, but it's not to get ratings, just to you know say some stuff that we might. It's kind of like that. People might not agree with, but they constantly make build your show and brand around. Skip Bayless has built that since he left us on Times. He's hated here. He's hated by Troy Aikman for his takes in Texas. He's hated. He was hated here when he was doing covering the beat for some Times, and he's hated nationally. You know, Stephen A. Smith, another person that just says stupid things too. Like it, it, you don't need to build your brand around it, and it's kind of coincides with each other that Stephen A. Smith, his mentor is Skip Bayless. So. That's why you're getting that. As far as Rob Parker, I don't even know who that is. I don't care who that is. Uh, your opinion really doesn't matter to me. You know, good that you got to show. It's just, I, the criticism of, you know, saying that things, uh, players are ruining the game is, to me, is stupid. It's it's old, uh, old man talk. It's old fart talk. The game's evolved. It happens in every sport. It's happening right now in baseball how people are getting mad because the shift is there and now they're taking the shift away and all the people are like, Oh, that's great. Games going to evolve to make, you know, to make the game either better or more enjoyable for the fan. And the thing is, you have to remember, this is a business. What draws your money is what's going to go most, more than likely be done to, you know, as far as the way game is played, that's just the way it is, you know, uh, stars are more valuable these days. So now there's, I mean, touch ticky tacky fouls are now called. It's just things like that. But as far as saying players destroyed the game because of the way they play it, you know, and it's not like they're disrespecting it at all. They're playing Steph Curry's shooting lights out. Like it's not like he's just, he's just taking 75 foot threes. Like, you know, he's showing that he has the talent to do so. And then you have other players that are now showing they have that gift as well. You know, the splash brothers were celebrated. Now they ruined the game, which makes no sense. I think, uh, you know, to end my rant, I just think people are just trying to get media is trying to get like their ratings and they're completely full of shit. Just need to stop. But the more attention we pay to them, giving them their clicks and looks is, you know, why they do what they do. Yeah, I, think I agree you with could, you. Deuce. I, I, uh, I think more, we, go ahead. Before, uh, give your thoughts and then uh, go ahead and give your slime ball before we have a we have a vote to do for slime. Okay. Ball, so go ahead. The uh, I, I would say I think the conclusion probably of all three of us is that. Um, <laughs> don't listen to the media about anything. Do your own homework and don't, you know, if you enjoy the game, you enjoy the game. I personally like the game now a lot more than I did in say 2003, um, you know, when it was all just ISO ball and, you know, terrible spacing and all of that, you know, don't, don't let them dictate whether something's ruined or not. There's more people watching across the globe NBA basketball than there ever has been and twice as many as in the eighties. So it's like, you know, obviously people like the game, people still appreciate it. No, no one feels like the game has been ruined for them. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, I think that's probably the consensus of, uh, all three of us. My, uh, my slime ball of the week is someone we've talked about or has have at least mentioned in this episode a couple times. Uh, I'm going with Draymond Green, or as Matt would say, Draymond. Draymond. Uh, he has been absolutely awful this series. Um, he he has cons- consistently been underperforming defensively for his standards. He has given them nothing on offense, but he continues to just talk so much every game whether that's to other players whether that's to the refs he just keeps talking and talking if he spent half as much energy just playing as he did talking i feel like he'd play a better series not to mention he then goes home and reports records a podcast after every single game which you know it's your life if you want to go record a podcast that's fine but you know it just it's it's a bad look for someone who spends all game complaining, getting in dust-ups, really doing nothing except causing a scene when he's out there, and then going home and recording a podcast. It just seems like Draymond wants this to be the Draymond show, and the fact of the matter is is he hasn't even been playable for most of the series. So um, I hope Kerr does the right thing and you know cuts on his minutes if he doesn't step it up and step up his intensity and actually you know make a difference and help them win. Um, but yeah, Draymond's going to be my slime ball of the week because on top of just giving them absolutely nothing, he continues with his, you know, antics, which I just get so sick of the, the flopping, the falling over on guys, the waving his hands around and yelling at the refs, just shut up and play for once, just play basketball. Like if, if, if you can't at least like give average play, stop talking. That's that is that is my appeal. So to me, uh, Draymond Green is the slime ball of the week. Couldn't agree more, homie. Uh, nothing else to add to that. Deuce, thoughts on uh, Draymond Green? I think uh, Draymond has shown his age. I think Tyler Time is undefeated and is showing with Draymond and his skill set. I think Draymond is trying to take the um, make the focus on him to maybe take a little get into the mindset of the the uh, Boston Celtics. I think he's done that a little bit with Grant Williams. Um, they've been locking horns, arguing, and you know it's 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 a snooze fest to me. It's stupid. Um, as far as him going and recording like podcasts, I mean, going back to our boy LeBron, that guy's does the barbershop shit. So I mean, I don't hate him for doing outside adventures. I am tired of him crying like the whole. Like just play the ball, but I, that's what he does. That's that, that's the type of player he is. That's the type of player he's always been, and it was celebrated at one time. People loved it. I mean, people loved the uh, Dennis Rodman antics. Mm-hmm. You know, we loved it in Chicago when we were on our team, and that's the way Golden State loves him for what he does. Now I think it's just funny that the national media is starting to get on him for it. When that's you know that's what Draymond Green is. Like he's a show, and his bad plays isn't bad. I do hope Steve Kerr does start playing Looney over him. Because I need that size, and he's just getting manhandled in the paint. Um, but he's tries to be that spark plug. It's just Father Time has caught up with him. Like Draymond, he's not a great offensive player, never really was, and now he just he can't even make damn layups going through the lane. Like, and I'm talking about open layups. Uh, it, he, you know, he just needs to sit down, and his antics do get tiring. So I agree with you, P. Moore. He's given new new uh, meaning to the term "back to the basket." 
<laughs> and when I say I don't mean backing down, I mean you not you looking the, at it. You get to the top of the key and you turn your back to the basket because you don't want to shoot. You look, you're desperately looking to pass the ball. So, He's the ultimate back to the basket. He's player, the best basket, back to the basket player I've ever seen in my life. So, um, <laughs> with that being said, uh, I mentioned we do have a vote. So the way it works here for your listeners, this is the first time this has ever happened. So. Uh, me and Pimore agreed that, and we've—I think we've talked about it in the show a couple times. Uh, if somebody is a homie of the week or a slime ball of the week four times, then they are eligible for the Hall of Slime, and uh, it has to be a majority vote. So if it was just me and Pimore, it would be both of us have to agree. But since we have Deuce, as long as two of the three of us agree that this person should be inducted into the Hall of Slime, they will be in the Hall of Slime. So our lucky candidate for the first. Possibly the first ever Hall of Slime inductee is uh, Uncle Steve. Stephen A. Smith has been the uh, – me and Deuce, and Deuce and I put him over the top. This is his fourth selection for uh, Hall of Slime. So uh, I'll go ahead and give my vote. Should uh, Stephen A. Smith be in the Hall of Slime? I say yes. Pimor? Um, I say yes. I think he should ultimately be in the Hall of Slime. I will say my dissenting opinion is that – him making it before Skip Bayless is silly to me. Because as bad as Stevie is, I think Skip's even dumber. But Skip will get in there. Don't worry. Skip's, so, at, I, Skip's at three. So one more. Yeah, which is, it's close. inevitable. He's, it's he's inevitable close. that our friend Skipper will make it. So, so that's two I yeses. Give, I give my yes. Yes. Deuce, do you want to make it a, a, a unanimous selection to the Hall of Slime? Uh, I think uh, Skip Bayless saving grace is that Jordan's better than LeBron. That's the only thing keeping him out right now. Uh, <laughs> no, I totally agree. I think, I mean, Stephen A. Smith is Skip's protege, so he can go on his first one. Like, I think Stephen A. Smith's takes are horrible. All right. Well, uh, Uncle Steve, Stephen A. Smith, congratulations. You are in the Helmets, Hoops, and Homies Hall of Slime, the first ever inductee. And definitely not the last. So congratulations. No, definitely not the last. Congratulations, Stephen A. Smith, say. Uncle Steve, as we like to call you. You are in the Hall of Slime. Welcome. So uh, let's move on to our last segment, my favorite uh, segment, hopefully yours too, uh, Homie of the Week. So Homie of the Week is basically where we give some love, some props, some respect to a player, person, thing that did something that we want to uh, celebrate. So uh, I actually have two Homies of the Week this week. I'm not sure if you guys do. So I'm going to give mine first. And then we'll go around the horn to Deuce and then P more, and then I'll give my second one. So I don't want to do both right away. So my first one is one that uh, would have been the homie of the week had we recorded the last couple of weeks or two weeks ago. So uh, my first homie of the week is Jimmy G Buckets. And what does the G stand for? Gets. G stands for Gets. So Butthead, Jimmy Butler, uh, is my first homie of the week. Uh, it just goes without saying he, he put that Miami team on his back. Uh, the fact that they even made seven games, given how he got zero help, it's kind of like uh, the Steph Curry situation now, but to the extreme, where nobody's giving you anything. Uh, uh, our friend Idris Adebayo had two good games and five bad ones. So um, it's just been his numbers really quick. In that seven-game series, he averaged 25 and a half points, seven rebounds, three and a half assists. Now, that's given that he had uh, he had games of – 41, 29, 8, 6, 13, 47, and 35. So in game six, an elimination game, he had 47 points. And he shot 55% from the field. And then in game seven, 
at home, closeout game, he had 35 uh, points, nine rebounds. He almost had a triple-double in that game six, by the way. He shot 54%. So for that series, he shot almost 48% from the field. He And we talked about his rebounding numbers. And he also he shot uh, about 89% from the free throw line, but that's given that – he he had a game where he shot 11 of 11, 8 of 11, uh, 6 of 8, 17 of 18 he shot. So he had games where he shot three games where he shot 100%. Some of them were low attempts. And one game where he shot 17 of 18, which is 94.5% from the free throw line. Uh, he might be the best playoff uh, free throw shooter I've ever seen in my life. Like it's almost – to me, I'm surprised when they don't go in. So um, – it's getting to the point. We'll see what happens next year, but I might have to give serious consideration to Jimmy Butler. Might be a number one guy. We'll <laughs> see. I want to see. I want to see him get a, a better running mate, or I want to see Adebayo play as good as we know he can play. But I think Miami has a lot of decisions to make in the offseason, and they need to get another star who can score when Jimmy is. I mean, if he's giving you forty-seven or he's giving you thirty-five, and you still lose, you know what I mean? And he was playing. He played hurt too. Let's not let's not overshadow that. Those three games where he didn't have a lot of points, he was hurt, and it was noticeably hurt. Uh, so I think to put up those that numbers and carry your team within uh, a couple minutes of a finals berth, I think is extremely impressive. And I want to give love and uh, praise to Jimmy G buckets, Jimmy Butler, for you're my homie of the week for that because that was very very impressive. And uh, like I said, I might have to amend my take, but uh, it's definitely – and I don't mind doing it. I don't. I just think that he he really showed how good he can be, and he wasn't even healthy. So I want to see him healthy, how good they can be. And Miami, uh, uh, Pat Riley and the crew, they got some they got some moves to make, I think, in the offseason, and we'll see what happens. But Jimmy Butler, you are my homie of the week. Uh, Deuce, who's your homie of the week? Or your thoughts on Jimmy Butler really quick before you give your homie? Yeah, uh, I have a love-hate relationship with Jimmy. Uh, I thought he played very well. I felt really bad for him that he was hurt, and I was actually pulling for him to um, beat Boston. Uh, he played his heart out. Unfortunately, he just took that three. But uh, you can. there's always some controversy, even in that series with the Max Struess three uh, that was taken away at the last minute, with like after two minutes after it was hit. But Jimmy played his heart out that series, and uh, I, I totally agree. He uh, he should be a homie. Um, and played hurt, too, which is ridiculous. Um, so my homie of the week is actually – I have two. Uh, one is everybody's favorite Cub, Anthony, former Cub, Anthony Rizzo, saying that the Cubs should be spending money uh, and competing every year, and this team should not be rebuilding, which a $4.4 billion team should be doing so and not telling its fans that they are retooling, and I'm doing the air quotes, while you're trading away all their star players and are about to trade away a top five catcher in the league, uh, while still having the highest ticket prices in the major leagues and next game experience. Without going on around that, that's just telling the truth for Anthony Rizzo, so big props for him for saying that. Uh, my other homie of the week is actually the PGA. Uh, the PGA went ahead and suspended all the players that were participating in the LIV tournament. Uh, just a little backstory with the LIV tournament. PGA didn't like the fact that players were choosing one tournament or the other, tour anyway. Um, so they suspended them from the PGA membership. 
they said that you can't have both memberships and also to go along with the fact that LIV is actually has some backing from Saudi Arabia and they are known for uh, human rights violations. So a public state of opinion. I do like the swift action by the PGA. These players did get paid big time. And from what I heard, um, Dustin Johnson got offered $125 million to play in this tournament. So it's not going to really hurt them in terms of that. They can still play in majors as a PGA doesn't run the majors, but it's good to see an organization take a stand and say, no, we're not going to let you do that. And I thought that was very good. And it was swift to, as well. So uh, good job by them and uh, good job for Anthony Rizzo. Uh, but Rizzo, go get vaccinated. <laughs> I, I agree right, So Deuce, Deuce expanding the show parameters, giving us some baseball, which is not surprising. That's why I threw in a little uh, Ken Griffey Jr. love, but uh, some golf as well, which I never thought I would say on the show. So yeah. Deuce, uh, some baseball and some golf here too. So P. Moore, uh, thoughts on uh, my homie of the week and Deuce's before I give my last homie of the week? And yeah, yours as well? Jim- Jimmy Butler definitely deserves it. He was awesome. Um, he's he's made a name for himself as a pretty big time playoff performer at this point. And yeah, I definitely think the Heat need to get him some some help. And I, when I say help, I don't mean like Tyler Hero. I mean like a real star. Uh, you know, at, at this point, you know, I've lost a lot of respect for Bam Adebayo. I'm going to be just quite honest with you. Um, just kind of my wallet wilts. hates him too. Yeah, but just kind of wilts in the playoffs, like. Does is not aggressive, seems afraid to be out there offensively. He's still good defensively, but you got to be able to, like, if you're a max player and you want to be called an all star, you got to show up in the playoffs. And uh, he just really hasn't given them much of that at all since 20, I don't know, since the bubble. I mean, that's the last time I remember him being good in the playoffs. So, um, definitely, definitely agree. Jimmy needs some more help there for sure. Um, I'm definitely not a Heat fan by any means. They're my least favorite team in the league. But um, yeah, but they 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 have a good team. They have a great coach. They have a, a really great player in Jimmy Butler. And I think they gotta go out and and try to make this thing happen and 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 be competitive next year. Um, agree with you, Deuce, on the PGA. The LIV I think is pretty much fully funded by the Saudi Crown, um, who you know do all sorts of terrible stuff, including killing journalists and, you know, um, a a bunch of other horrible stuff. So um, that's, that's a good call. I've been following that a little bit. Um, I'm definitely not a big golf guy. Um, I don't golf myself. Don't really watch it, but um, that, that was, that was interesting news. Um, So yeah, definitely, definitely feel you. And uh, Rizzo, he's on, I believe he's on my, uh, my old baseball team who I used to root for the Yankees. like what he has to say about the Cubs, they should absolutely be competitive right now with how much money they make and with how much how big they're supported. What that's one of the biggest things I notice every time I go to Chicago. It's like it's such a Cubs town. Um, you know, people love them. Um, so you got to really pay the fans back and and be able to spend a little bit. Um, Rizzo should get vaccinated though. I don't know what he's thinking there. <laughs> um, all right, so. After my long-winded thoughts, my homie of the week is one uh, Kenny Atkinson. Um, So Kenny Atkinson, as Deuce mentioned in passing um, earlier in the show, was just hired as the Hornets head coach. And I'm actually going to say Kenny Atkinson and Michael Jordan. Those are the two homies. Um, He was reportedly in competition for that job with Mike D'Antoni, who I personally believe is over the hill. His last kind of, you know, 
his last chance to me to get a, a championship was in Houston. Um, for anyone who followed the Hornets last year, you know kind of the deal. They're one of the best offenses in the league. Great offensive team. Terrible defensive team. Anybody who's followed Mike D'Antoni knows that's his exact thing. Terrible at defense, good offense. They don't need D'Antoni to make them a, a great offensive team. They were that already. Um, so I think bringing in Atkinson, who is a respected coach, um, he's a guy who's the Nets coach before, basically before Kyrie and KD got there. Um, and he had basically taken a team that was gutted of all, uh, all resources. I mean, they had no good players. Um, they had waived uh, Darren Williams. They had waived Joe Johnson. They had traded Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. No, they let they let Paul Pierce walk in free agency and traded Kevin Garnett. They had nothing, and they gave all their, their draft picks to Boston. So they, they had nothing to work with except basically G-leaguers, cast-offs, all that stuff. And he got them better every year. They were actually a fun team to watch. Um, and he actually got them to the playoffs, um, you know, which was a real, real shock after, you know, after their previous front office had basically, you know, ruined their future. Um, I thought he was unfairly fired, but mostly because Katie and Kyrie didn't want him. They wanted Steve Nash. You know, I don't think Nash is a, is a bad coach. I don't think he's a great coach either. I don't think he had proven to be, he's ever proven to be as good a coach as Kenny Atkinson. So all that said, I'm happy he gets this chance with a good, um, exciting young team in Charlotte. I think he is going to make them better. I think he's going to get them into the playoffs. I think mostly good on Charlotte for not making the wrong decision and, and signing D'Antoni just because he has a longer track record of success. I think he's shown like, you know, he's not going to get this team any better by teaching them offense. They, they got offense down. It's time to kind of buckle down and become a better defensive team um, and grow up a little bit. So, yeah, what are your, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Go ahead, Deuce. No, uh, I totally agree with you. Um, uh, Kenny Axon, just, just happy for him to get a shot. Uh, I know he was with Steve Kerr for a little bit, but just happy to get another shot. I didn't like the way it would happen to him in Brooklyn. Um, but that's, you know, there's a lot of former players getting consideration for jobs that aren't really that good. I mean, Jason Kidd, I, I guess, showed a little bit that he can still coach um, this year with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, he did okay job in the playoffs as well until he got blown out. But, I mean, Steve Nash time will tell. And you also got to remember, too, Steve Nash has two superstars on his team and one that refuses to show up for games. So I don't know, you know, if he's in a win-win situation there. So, um, but I'm just glad he has a job. And I think he'll... You know, he'll get these kids to play even better. So he's coming into a good situation. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Um, I was so relieved when you had texted me. I didn't know the decision went down. You texted me, Pat, that um, uh, they hired Atkinson and not D'Antoni because I was fully ready to uh, make the Hornets, the Hornies, as we like to call them, the uh, slime ball of the week because that would have been I'm just going to go on record here. If they would have hired D'Antoni, that would have been a disaster, an absolute disaster. Uh, I thought the defense couldn't get worse. It would have got worse, if that's even possible. They were 25th in the league, and that doesn't do it justice. It felt like they were 32nd. or There's not even 32 teams. That's how bad it looked. It was awful. Uh, complete blowouts. 
So uh, while I wasn't, I thought that uh, I understand why they they kept Borrego for one more year. I would have let him go last year, but I mean, given that I'm happy it was Atkinson and props to uh, Michael Jordan for that. I think this came down to me from what I heard was Michael Jordan had the final say on who was going to coach his team, and he went with Atkinson. And I'm like, thank goodness, because D'Antoni is a terrible fit for this team. I can't think of a worse fit than him. Uh, this team. They're great on offense. That's not a problem. They need defense desperately, and Don Tony doesn't play it. He doesn't know how to coach it. So uh, if he gets another job, I have no problem with that. But for this team and this fit, it was awful. It would have been a disaster. So props to, to um, Kenny Atkinson for getting another shot. He did. He got a raw deal with Brooklyn, and I'm not the biggest Steve Nash guy, as you know. I think he's not that great of a coach. But, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens, right? But uh, I'm happy he gets another shot. And we'll see what he can do. I mean, they can't get much worse on defense. Uh, so we'll see what happens, right? Could, I think they're going to make the playoffs next year, hopefully. We'll see. They have the talent to do so. So great pick. And uh, my final homie of the week is uh, a guy who's still playing, and uh, it's uh, Stevie Showstopper. Stevie Curry is my other homie of the week. Uh, he's been carrying this team so far. And full disclosure, if they win the title and he is the finals MVP, he will be my homie of the week again, and it's well-deserved. I just feel like he's been carrying this team so far, and the, the reason why it's 2-2 is because of him. So I just want to read off his numbers so far in the finals. He is averaging 34.3 points, 6.3 rebounds, and almost four assists a game. Now, he's shooting in all those games. He's averaging he's shooting 50% on the dot from the field. 49% on the dot from three. And he's taking a lot. He's taking 14, 12, 11, 14 shots from three. And he's playing 37 minutes a game. I mean, I don't know what else you could ask for. He's averaging 34 points a game on 54, 50% shooting, 49% from downtown. UK doesn't get much better than that. So uh, I had to give him a homie of the week for this week. Well-deserved. Uh, your guys' thoughts? For sure, this is this is the this is what everyone went as soon as Steph broke out in like 2013, 2014. This is the playoff performance we were waiting for. We were waiting for him to step up, show that he's the best player on the floor, and he's done that. Yeah, on on the floor, by the way, with Jason Tatum, who a lot of people had, you know, probably considered going into the playoffs better than Steph at this point, but he is he has been by far the best player in this series, um, best player on the floor. Definitely deserving the finals MVP um, if if the Warriors win. And I'd still argue even if they didn't. So, uh, yeah, Deuce, what do you think? No, I totally agree. Uh, there's not really much you can say uh, about Steph Curry. He's been, you know, putting them on his back, you know, because he's got – Matt will get the reference with uh, Greg Jennings. He put the team on his back. That's what uh, Steph Curry's <laughs> yeah. doing. I remember uh, that one. Team on his back. Uh and he, he literally has been their best player. And, I mean, stars shine in the playoffs and the finals. It's a big time for stars to shine. And Steph has, you know, not shied away from the limelight. Um, you know, he's totally showing that he still has got it at 34 years old uh, with bad ankles. <laughs> uh, so it's it's really a play. Like, I, I tech, was talking to Matt when we were watching the game. And just, you know, I saw Bird play, you know, towards the tail end because Bird, you know, his prime was pretty much done when I was – older you know when I was, but i still saw a little bit of bird you know and the dream team but like bird was always the, my, one of the greatest shoes I've ever seen and steph curry's like right up there if not better 
it's just ridiculous the shots he makes um but yeah i'm hoping uh he uh finishes this out and you know gets his uh finals mvp something well deserved same really uh i think we could, i can speak for all of us we're all really hoping for his sake that he, he they, they're able to win this so he can get that finals mvp because this is it's very well deserved uh so yeah that's our that's our show uh, once again deuce we appreciate you coming on uh you're welcome to come on after the finals if you want we're going to be doing uh and also uh within the next couple weeks probably me and p Moore are going to be doing our uh our NBA draft special where we're going to do a mock draft of the lottery picks, which will be a lot of fun. I am really looking forward to that. Um, so look forward to that listeners. And once again, we, we appreciate you listening. It means a lot to us. This is something that we love to do. It's a lot of fun. So the fact that you take any time to listen to this means a lot to us. So we appreciate you. Uh, P more and deuce uh, any closing thoughts where we dip out of here. No, just that it's great to great to be back doing the podcast. Great to see the Garcia brothers as usual, two of my favorites in the world. So it's always been a pleasure with you two. Uh, happy happy to do it. Uh, couldn't couldn't think of a better way uh, to spend my my Saturday. And so uh, Deuce, yeah, give us give it give your show a shout out before we close out for the day. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, you know, good to see Pat back. Always good to always tell him in person that I'm coming for him. Uh, no, uh, thanks for having me on. It's always fun to talk to you guys, you know, to BS, like BSing my friends about sports. Uh, and I do enjoy your guys' intellect and takes on things. Um, so our show is called The Umper and Soul at the Show. Uh, you can find us on all where you get your favorite podcasts. We're a movie based podcast, uh, that go into the deep dive into movies, but not just that. We also go into how our movies' experiences with terms of stories. My co host, Svoboda, uh, Justin Svoboda, aka Swole, does some great, he's a great storyteller. Um, most of his stories have to do with him getting in trouble. So you might think he's a troublemaker, but we have a good time. Uh, we just had a big Top Gun event here in Illinois where we had 28 great listeners come out to a theater we rented privately and we watched a new Top Gun. We're going to be discussing that in our new episode along with our film Hot Takes. Just basically some things that are not really agreeable in terms of the way we see film. Uh, so we'll be releasing that soon. So you can follow us at uh, Yumper and Swole on Twitter and check out our website, Detainia Glove, where you find sports, movies, video games, and reviews there, along with all our podcasts and our mothership podcast, Detainia Glove. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Always a pleasure, Deuce. Yeah, it's great to have you on, Deuce, as usual. We'll talk to you real soon. I'm sure you'll be back after the finals. So uh, thank you again to listeners. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next time. All right. Peace out, homies.